the Pilot Podcast. You should have a strong donkey that can holler at us and travel with portable speakers and bottle us stands. Wish I had a million dollars. Wish I had a million dollars. Wish I had a million problems. That way I couldn't pinpoint all the million outcomes. I wish I found a genie lamp. I wish them girls gave me them shit like Beaver Man. I wish I was a comedian. Late night sitcom syndicated on TV land. I wish this world had water in it. These kids are spending all my babies. Focused on my wealth. You can help me wish, but I would rather wish to help us like this. I wish, I wish. Every time we drive and it feels just like this. I wish, I wish, every time you do it, it feels just like this. I wish, I wish, every time you love and it feels just like this. It feels just like this. It feels. I wish I had a time machine. Wish I had a better riding speed. Wish that I could speak to giants after climbing up a green stalk that grew on my life be. I wish that I could spread my wings on top. I wish that I had seven limbs That way I can hold on to everything And laugh when I hear people wishing for the better fights I wish I spoke fluent Spanish Dímelo, dímelo At least I kinda understand it Wish that I could throw the deuce like Gambit And get so large I could play pool with the planets I wish I was an astronaut I wish I knew more kinds of power <laughs> Focused on myself Can't help me wish but I would rather wish for how this life is like Hello, cats and kittens. Sorry for the volume issues. We're back with another episode of The Debrief. I'm your host, Brianna Joy Gray. There's a lot on the docket tonight, obviously. We have today's episode with a Starbucks Workers United employee and organizer from the West Coast who had the privilege, I guess maybe you could call it, of attending the Howard Schultz hearings. Was that just last week? Time is moving at a really odd pace, it seems. I thought he was just a card, as my grandmother would say. Just a card and a delight. I was so glad he took the time to kiki with us about the kind of interestingly deep knowledge he has of Howard Schultz as a man. But of course, in other news, great and small, we have finally got the uh, arraignment of Donald Trump, with a lot, of, which a lot of people have uh, very breathlessly been waiting for for a long time. I covered it uh, on Rising on Wednesday. I strongly suggest people go and listen to the A Block in its entirety. Additionally, my radar. And look, I, I, I see a lot of people that I respect disagreeing with this. So, like, I, I'm, I'm, I have thoughts and feelings. You know, I have a little bit of a legal background. I'm not anybody's election lawyer, but I... Looked very closely at the election coverage the day of. I mean, the sorry, the legal coverage the day of. I I parsed what seemed to be the opinions of people who very clearly wanted this to be a big deal and something that was well geared to getting Trump thrown in jail or held accountable in some way. And even they seem to be very skeptical. Um, I see people pushing back and saying, you know, I don't like that some people even on the broad left are downplaying the significance of this. I saw John Stewart make an argument like this. I've seen other legal commentators that I really respect make arguments like this that, 
you know, it is a bad PR move. It's a bad comms move. It's frustrating substantively to make criticisms of their strategic choices to use this as the moment to make the unprecedented, unprecedented move to arraign a former president and someone who's currently seeking the office. And I am open to be told why I'm wrong, but what I, with the pushback that I've seen is not very substantive. It's OMG. I can't believe people are saying this and I'm, I'm open to the arguments, but I haven't seen them so far. So maybe I am jumping too much conclusions and I'll just say this. I won't go into it in too much detail because I did so, um, on rising, but it seems to me that this is a very interesting strategic choice, um, for the, uh, New York district, uh, DA Bragg to have made Alvin Bragg. The fundamental issue here from a legal perspective is that these, um, uh, financial records, fraud charges are mere misdemeanors unless they are elevated per New York law by uh, hooking them to another crime. So it can be elevated to a felony if the records fraud was done in furtherance of another crime. The crime they're using as the hook is the federal election crime, and it's not entirely clear that you can do that because there is this issue of federal preemption wherein federal courts are supposed to handle federal issues the federal prosecutor already declined to prosecute Trump on this issue when they were going after and successfully went after Cohen. And so there's this question of if the federal court, if the federal prosecutor opted not to, why is this now being adjudicated in New York state? Um, is it actually a good case? And moreover, is it jurisdictionally appropriate? And it could be. But why you would choose a kind of novel legal theory to do something that is perceived to be politically such a witch hunt, in which I would argue there's some things when I might agree with you that, well, Republicans would do it, and so you should do it, and you should just fight tooth and nail, and you know he should go down for something a la Al Capone, and doesn't matter. He's obviously guilty, and doesn't matter what you get him on. But when we've seen what happened to Lula, when we see that there, you know, if you if you pick at someone hard enough, you can find that they made some kind of mistake. This seems like a Pandora's chest, which from a substantive democracy point to me, doesn't seem to be worth the squeeze, especially when we apparently have these other um, criminal charges that are pending, specifically in Georgia with the Raffensperger call, the most perfect call in which uh, Donald Trump tried to convince Georgia state officials to find the just a few more votes so that he could win the state. So that's my feeling on it. I, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do. I'm certainly not trying to, you know, it's just one one woman's opinion. But, you know, I, I don't quite get it. I think a lot of folks, even who very, very much want Trump to be in jail, don't entirely get it. It seems like it has the effect. I, I mean, there's this political argument that it forces Republicans to back Trump, which divides any, you know, it, it fractures support for any potential op- opponent to Trump. And this could be a kind of new Pi Piper strategy where it forces folks to coalesce behind Trump and makes him win the general election. But he has a ceiling is the argument always, uh, sorry, uh, the primary election. And then he would fail in the general election. Of course, polls have Biden doing worse against Trump than he does against DeSantis. 
And Democrats' uh, success with the Pied Piper strategy has been mixed, to say the least. It seems to sort of work in midterms, but uh, we wouldn't have ever had a tr- President Trump, arguably, potentially, if um, the Pied Piper strategy had been successful in 2016. It was not, or it worked a little too well. <laughs> um, so if someone has a substantive argument for why they think this strategically is good or on principle is a good thing. I'm open to hear it. I think like a lot of folks I was waiting to see from the press conference after the arraignment, whether Bragg had things to add that seemed to clarify the decision-making here. I didn't find his comments to be particularly useful, reassuring, substantive, etc. Of course it is the case that all of the, you know, facts of the case, all of the information that he has does, didn't have to be pled um, in the indictment. So there could be more. But why, given the focus of national attention and Republicans' readiness to dismiss this as a witch hunt, you wouldn't be prepared to frame the case in the most advantageous way possible the day that Trump was arraigned? I, I, don't, I don't get the strategic value of that. It seemed to me more like there just wasn't anything else. But we'll see. We'll see. Um. And so given the kind of legal vulnerabilities in the case, not not any difficulty in actually proving that the payments were made or that it was a violation of election law. Like the the facts are clear. I think there's a lot of evidence to support the facts. The question is whether or not it becomes anything more than a misdemeanor. Um, a misdemeanor like the one that Hillary Clinton had to pay, what, an $8,000 fine for back in 2016 for using campaign funds to fund the Steele dossier. Um, I just, we'll see, we'll see it happening. And if it does, it is successful, then I don't know what you guys think of living in a world where what are ultimately sort of technical violations are used to derail presidential candidates. I got to say, it's an unsavory comparison, but I got to say a la Lula, because there were things that they didn't like make something up out of whole cloth. You can find things that people did that were wrong and use it to throw them in jail. And sometimes those are going to be people we don't like, like Donald Trump. And sometimes they're going to be people we do like, like Lula. And again, I just don't know if that's what we want, especially when I would be much more comfortable with the president going to jail or being disqualified from running for office because they engage in actual election interference and try to use coercion to change uh, democratic, authentic election results. So let's get into it. Let's hear from you. Lysol, what's on your mind tonight? Hey, Brie. Hey, what's what's going on? What's on your mind? So for the Trump thing, the other thing, if, if I'm understanding correctly from what I've read of the coverage, the fact that there are felonies, if for some reason they get bumped, down, bumped back down to misdemeanors, that means it's past the statute of limitations for the crime as well. That's my understanding as well. The, I did. I, I have heard there's some argument that the statute of limitation was told um, it, you know, they can be told in some circumstances, and the reason would be because Trump was out of state living in Florida for the last four years or so. Um, I don't know much about the viability of that argument, how plausible it is, but it really does raise the question, like, why didn't you just do it earlier? If it was just about prosecuting him for these misdemeanors, like, just, it just seems so ridiculous to have to jump through all of these additional kind of procedural hoops because he just didn't charge him with this stuff that we knew years ago. 
Yeah, and this and this is a state thing, so it's nothing to do with Mar-a-Lago. So we still don't know what what's going to be what's going to go on with that. I think a lot of people are just kind of unconsciously linking the two because they were the two big Trump things that happened in the last. What time. do you mean, the documents case? Yeah, yeah. Did, did that is that have they just have they disclosed whether or not they're actually going to do anything with the information that they seized? I haven't heard anything new. I mean, I, I have heard people saying that there are these pending cases that are more substantive and viable, the documents case and the Georgia case. Me personally, I don't like the documents case. Um, I was listening to Pod Save America's coverage on this. They love the idea of it. I don't like the documents case because as we've seen from the fact that Joe Biden has documents all over the place in his garage and Mike Pence has documents all over the place in his garage, that this also opens the door to, okay, a president, a congressperson is, is, you know, negligent with handling papers. There is a tendency to overclassify documents in, in Congress. Um, and suddenly that's another hook for anyone to do a political pr- prosecution of anyone who just doesn't handle documents the right way. Every document now becomes a grenade that can get you thrown in jail. I, I don't know that that's, I don't know that that's what I would like to, to see happen here. Again, I think the Georgia case is different. It's substantive. It's a president of the United States trying to skew the election results. It doesn't get more justified than that in terms of uh, really severe sanctions for a former president. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, and my understanding is that even if he was convicted of this and was literally in jail, that wouldn't stop him from being able to run for president. No. I mean, the Eugene Debs example comes up. Yeah, it's like, here we are in 2023. The Dems see, oh, go, we could have a, we could have Eugene V. Debs, or we could try to turn Trump into him. Right, and then again, this isn't to say I see people in the comments saying this, and I said this in my radar uh, on on Wednesday. There's lots of stuff that Trump and lots of other presidents could go down for. My concern is the reason that they don't open up that can of worms of actually prosecuting people for war crimes is because everyone would be going to jail, and they're trying to find these. I'm sorry, like this is what makes it feel political, trying to find things that won't implicate the people that you like, only the people who, you know, make hush money payments to porn stars. And uh, I don't know. I, I see also people saying, oh, well, the doc- Trump had more documents and he, you know, he dilly dallying and trying to give them back or he resisted giving them back. Yeah, that's a meaningful difference. And if you think if you think he should go to jail over that, that's your Position. I mean, that's that's a position you can take. It makes me, I, it makes me uncomfortable. You know, I I don't get it. I don't get it. I think a lot of the country is going to be made very uneasy by that, and I cannot disagree with them. The only strategic benefit I could see is the Democrat or is the the Democrats benefiting from the Republicans somehow thinking that they could, you know, because you know, as we know, parties can do whatever they want. If the Republicans wanted actually wanted to make, make something in their bylaws saying somebody who's been convicted of a felony can't be a presidential nomination, then maybe Donald Trump runs third party and splits the vote, and the Dems win that way. But other than that, I don't see how this is ever going to like benefit the people on the left, or the, the neoliberals, rather. Well, I think, again, I think they think it's a Pied Piper strategy. It forces folks like DeSantis to either disagree with Trump, in which they get flack, and he's disempowered, which has already sort of happened. Trump's been surging on the polls even before this happened, but it's continued, you know, it's continued to happen or alternatively kind of force everyone to, you know, authentically more or less coalesce behind, behind Trump so that he wins a primary and therefore is ostensibly easier to beat than DeSantis in a general. Although that again is not what polls say at all. You know, 
and if and if people feel comfortable using the judicial system for those kind of political ends, if that's a strategic consideration, God bless. But you can't be mad at Republicans when they accuse Democrats of doing exactly that. And if you think, well, if you break the law, you should go to jail. And it doesn't matter if it's a technicality or not the worst thing you did, you should go to jail. That's a position. That's a position to take. If, if the standard is documents violations, business records violations, should be able to end a popular presidential candidate's uh, run for office, hey, that's your position. And um, hopefully it never backfires. We'll see. You know, we'll see. Who knows? I mean, my theory on the right is still in the absent, you know, the support for Trump is kind of a cynical ploy for anybody who's not um, eligible for the upper class tax cuts and that they understand they're not going to get anything materially changed for the better. So they choose the candidate that pisses off their enemies the most. And that's Donald Trump. And there's just no way anybody else is going to be able to compete with him on that metric. And well, there's, the- but there's people who don't want that. There's people who are just regular Romney Reagan Republicans who are not solely driven by pissing off people. There's just like normies. There's just normal people. Those people still exist. And they're freaked out by every conversation being about trans kids' genitals. And they're freaked out by having their whole political ideology made to be about wokeness, which is something that most people don't even understand or can't define. And and they just they just want like lower taxes, please. Uh less war, please. Um, you know, less regulation, please. And they don't want to have to explain to their kids what a hush money payment is. Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up in Orange County in California. Like I was, I was raised in, raised by and around people like that. So I totally get it. Yeah. So it's, it's split. I mean, if you, you know, if you're of the mind that, you know, Trump has a ceiling at 30 odd percent, then the, the, the Pie Piper strategy has a certain logic. But that's that's not a bear I would poke. I wouldn't want that blood on my hands. Um, but, you know, Democrats use that sort of strategy with some success in midterms. I'm not in charge of anything. I'm just talking about it. So I am do I seems dubious to me. But um, I, I'm just trying to make sense of what is going on here. In a world where there were no pending other cases, you know, where there were no other pending indictments, when there wasn't the Raffensperger call, I, I, I would, I would be, I think, more open to entertaining the legitimacy of going after tax, uh, Trump, if not on this, then on tax issues and other kinds of things. Again, violations of the law that are real and substantive. This one, it's not even. There's two layers of it. It's one that it's like the election law violation itself is not, I think, as democracy-related as the other kind of charges. I mean, yes, he, the, the, the point of the payment is to preserve his reputation so that he can win an election, for sure. But, you know, it's not, you know, I don't think it's as, um, it's as significant as literally calling up the Georgia Secretary of State and being like, hey, change the results. Uh, but the second level of it is just like put all the merit merit based arguments to the side. It just doesn't seem like it's gonna work from for the from for these legal procedural reasons. 
And you're, you're, the way it all has played out, it's like really begging the question, if it's this federal law hook that even is making this a, federal, a felony, how are you explaining the prosecutor's choice not to prosecute? And I know that, you know, Cy Vance has said the reason he didn't prosecute the case earlier is because he was just out of office and it takes more time to get information and stuff together. Okay, but that doesn't answer the question of why Merrick Garland didn't prosecute. And I know that people have been making arguments like, well, they were dealing with one six and that was a priority and they had limited resources. Look, all I know is that Joe Biden was president. There's a lot of discretionary authority. We had the Democrats had both houses of government. If the DOJ needed more money to prosecute Trump, I'm sure they could have gotten some more money. We were able to come up with all this money for Ukraine. You're telling me the justice department didn't have enough resources to look at both one six and prosecuting Trump. And if you had to choose between the two, the choice was to go after the guy with the goat horns on his head who stormed the Capitol and not the former president of the United States of America who told them all to storm the Capitol. Does that make sense to you? I mean, maybe Donald Trump's an FBI informant. What, what is that? What do you mean by that? I don't know. It was a bad joke. Oh. <laughs> I, I think one six is more distasteful than being a felon for paying off Stormy Daniels in terms of the normies that we're talking about potentially turning on Trump. Right, but I'm I'm saying on the sure. I mean, I, I sure. Then 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 you made your then you made your bed, and it's kind of like you decided not to prosecute. And I think that's fine. They made their bed, and they decided not to prosecute. But now here comes Alvin Bragg, and he says we have a bunch of state law charges that are legitimate and should be prosecuted. You know, should be should be pursued, but they're misdemeanors. So, you know, I, I'm not arguing against making Trump pay the fines that Hillary Clinton had to pay for the Steele dossier stuff. Okay, make him pay the fines. But they don't want that. They want him to go to jail. <laughs> they want this to be a felony. And that's the part that seems really contrived. And everyone can see it's contrived. If, if you guys don't think it's contrived, tell me why you don't think it's contrived. But from a procedural law perspective, it's only a felony if they can say the business record's uh, fraud was done in furtherance of this federal election fraud crime that the federal court has already declined. The federal prosecutors have already declined to prosecute. So the last time we saw Trump with legal representation, it was Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani. And everybody was saying that was because Trump doesn't pay lawyers and nobody wants to represent it. Does he have good representation again? Or is that maybe like a, a weak spot they think they can exploit? Trump? Yeah. I, I have no idea if his representation is good or not. But it seems to me like even a dummy can see the vulnerabilities in Bragg's argument. Watching TV the day of the, the arraignment, you know, beforehand there was all this breathless wonder. We all know how excited, you know, MSNBC and CNN and all of them were to, mm -hmm. to have this happen. Everyone believed there would be more um, that came out. And that was what justified the the, the you know the shift from non-prosecution to prosecution of this stuff. And then when we got the indictment, and there wasn't more, everyone said, okay, well, let's wait. Maybe Alvin Bragg has something more to say because everything doesn't have to be in the indictment. And then Bragg took some questions, and I found him to seem really shifty, not very forthcoming, not very confident-seeming. I don't know. You tell me how you, you, you read that press conference. And he didn't, he didn't, he didn't offer anything more. And then I listened to a bunch of legal experts on all of the liberal channels who were extremely inclined to want to give the best reading of the case. And I also didn't hear anything very persuasive. I listened to Laura, um, Verrett, uh, who 
I went to law school with actually, who was a legal uh, expert on NBC. I didn't know her personally or anything. We had one class together, but I, you know, she seemed persuasive to me. You know, uh, people who clearly wanted Trump to go down seemed very skeptical of the possibility of it actually happening. And so that begs the question, like, why are we all so invested in this? What is it doing to suck up all of this national attention? Is this one of these psyops we're not supposed to be paying attention to the fact that 15 million people just got kicked off Medicaid, you know, another round of funding for Ukraine? Like, what is the point of this? Yeah, I, I really don't know. Could I do a quick pop culture shift before I hop off the mic? Sure. Have you watched the show Swarm? I've watched a few episodes. I was curious on your take because the whole thing kind of feels like Donald Glover had one too many uh, Twitter interactions with the Bayhive and decided to write a show. <laughs> um, I mean, I I think that Donald Glover can be problematic, but I also think that he is extremely talented. I think he's gifted as a musician and gifted as a writer. I think that Atlanta is um, – always surprising and thoughtful and fascinating and engaging, even when I'm not entirely sure about what Glover's is trying to say about something that's political within the show. And his, some of his personal statements and choices I sometimes find to be a little questionable. And I think that comes out in Swarm, where, again, it's not entirely clear to me what he's trying to say about fandom culture. Again, I'm only like a few episodes in. It's not always clear to me what he what he's trying to say about race or what he's trying to say about gender, if anything. But it, I think it is interesting, and I think there's something that's very resonant. You you see you see reality, you see society reflected in the show in smart ways. And you know, I'll finish it. I don't know what do you, what do you think about it? I, I mean, I, I think it's fascinating. It's I mean, just even. From the jump, when they start out with the, this is not a work of fi- not a work of fiction, anything, mm-hmm. any resemblances are intentional. It's just kind of like, you're right. Like whatever Donald, whatever he does, it's, it's either enter- entertaining or fascinating. Yeah. And you know, sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it makes you cry. I won't ruin it because you haven't gone through it. But there's a there's a moment towards the end of the show when they're trying to figure out, um, you know, like what what her life was like before she got adopted and stuff like that. And like I'm not I'm not going to. Oh, I didn't it. even know she was adopted. Yeah, you got to stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I I I I blurred blurred through it in two days, so I don't remember which episodes are which. I actually watched the last episode on accident because Amazon sent me there first. I'm like, okay, well, I was watch it like it's oh. you know, I- <laughs> yeah. Um, for people who don't know, it's it's like a it's a it's about a girl who's very intently in the Bay Hive, like a the Beyonce fan. There's she, obviously don't call the singer Beyonce, but it's very obvious one to one. Um satire of hyper intense Beyonce fans swarm Bayhive bees. You get it. And, um, a tragedy befalls her in the first episode and it turns her from just a super fan into like a serial killer who avenges, a fake Beyonce by basically killing anybody who says anything mean about her. Uh, so yeah, social commentary, blah, blah, blah. I- I'll let you know what I think when I finish it. Lysol. For sure. All right. Thanks for calling in. Yeah. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Uh, let's go to Faith. 
Bayola. Oh, yeah, I, I tricked you guys. I went from the very front to the very end. How are you doing, Fayola? Hi. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. What's on your mind tonight? Okay, so um, I want to talk about what you and Lysol were just talking about. Okay. With regards to Trump's arraignment. And I will say that the legal argument is the most compelling argument out of the ones that I've heard for why he should not be prosecuted. Mm-hmm. Because before that, most of the argument, even to the start of your rising um, radar, it seemed to be all about, well, the Dems, nobody else is getting prosecuted for things who that that they have done far worse things and so they should be prosecuted and they're not so why are we prosecuting trump and then of course the republicans were saying well this sets a precedent because just imagine we're going to now do it to you and it just seemed like that was not I'm afraid to go down that path where that is how we decide who gets prosecuted or not. Because then when will we ever prosecute elites? Sure. Yeah. Uh, but does this seem to you like the door opening to prosecuting elites? You think we're well, going to get, you know. After you outlined the weaknesses in the legal case, well, then no. Right? <laughs> if it's just misdemeanors, well, then no. He should just pay the fine, as you said. I mean, but, look at the things that there have been mm-hmm. these prosecutions for. You know, mm-hmm. we we have the rigmarole around Bill Clinton um, having an affair with an, an an intern. Right. Okay. So if you haven't, if you cheat on your wife, uh, you have to, you, you know, face these kind of um, charges. Right. If you. Um, Cheat on your wife again with John <laughs> Edwards, you face these kinds of charges. Right. If you cheat on your wife again with Trump, you face these kinds of charges. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I guess hooray that we live in a country that will go after you for cheating on your wife uh, and using campaign funds to do so or, you know, abusing your position in office or lying in front of Congress or whatever the Clinton stuff was. Like, I... Sure, you you shouldn't do that. For sure, John Edward is a bad, bad man. Like, you should definitely not cheat on your wife when she's dying of cancer and knock up your mistress. That seems very bad, for sure. No one not trying to cover for him and no interest in doing so. But what was the crime? That but was what's the, the crime? point? Uh, well, his, John Edwards is the same crime that Trump's being accused of. There were okay. two donors that funneled about a million dollars to his uh, mistress, Real Hunter, Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and in, an, in a series of payments, some of which were made before and some of which were made after the election, which is <clears throat> a different, little different from Trump's case. And it made a better case for Edwards than it does for Trump because uh, Edwards, Trump, uh, Edwards had this argument um, that ultimately, you know, exonerated him uh, that the payments were being made not to, they weren't campaign payments. They weren't made to, keep the secret from the electorate. They were made to keep the secret from his family. And right. as evidence, it's because it continued even after he was out of the election. Right. Trump, we have on record saying, maybe we can just delay these payments to after the election and then I won't have to pay her at all because it won't matter anymore. 
Right. So, I mean, that's very factually different. But in terms substantively, like when these charges get brought, it was for this exact same thing. Yeah. So I just, I guess, I guess I'm wondering if we don't consider these things important, why are there even rules against them? Because I'm thinking about like the story that came out about Clarence Thomas, for example. Mm-hmm. And he's not declaring his lavish gifts from his Republican donor friend. Mm-hmm. So, like, nothing's going to happen to him. I mean, right? probably not. <laughs> you know, so like, meanwhile, why? Republicans in Tennessee just kicked that, what is he, a state um, state senator? I, I need to look up, read up on this. I'm sorry. I've been out of commission the last day or so. Uh, kicked him out of the state house. Um, you know, like, they, they're playing dirty. Like, I'm not saying that there's that the people shouldn't play dirty. Like, I'm not 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 dirty, but like, use all of the tools at their, you know, at their disposal to affect right. justice. But like, yeah. I'm sorry. Like, use the tools at your disposal to charge these people with war crimes. I I and I agree. Yeah? <laughs> I am for and, that. And if there's a real if there's a real campaign finance violation here. Charge him with it, but it's a it's a misdemeanor, just like it was for Hillary. Yeah, charge him for the misdemeanor. Don't try to like throw people in jail because you don't want them to run for office. I agree, and I'm totally in agreement with that. But I I I feel like if we if we're not doing that, right? Mm-hmm. We're obviously not going after people for war crimes. The U.S. does not submit itself to the ICC. Like, we're not doing that. We seem to have said and agreed that we are not doing that. Then the little crimes or the little, what we are calling non-substantive, they either we call them little and insignificant and we don't prosecute them. No, I'm not saying that prosecute them. But, but look, okay. I'm not the one who let the statute of limitations lapse. Right. Okay. Like I, I have absolutely no issue prosecuting him for the uh, records violation, right. the business records violation. Knock but yourself not off. But, but I'm not the one who let the statute of limitation lapse. So don't don't yell at me. They're they're doing all of this bullshit because they handled this poorly. Yes. And or they intentionally just never really cared about the records violation. What they cared about was figuring out something that was a felony. I mean, that even if they knew it was like a long shot, they could yeah. make a years long rigmarole of having Trump in and out of mm. the court during right. the campaign season so that, that they could make some kind of political point. Right. Yeah. Which, okay. okay, make make your political point, Queen, but like, you, they're going to have to live with the consequences. I don't mean you, Queen. I meant the, you know, collective Republican <laughs> Queens. <laughs> but they're going to have to live with the, the consequences of it. You know, that's it. But what are the consequences that you fear? Republicans are going to say this is a political prosecution and they're correct. Mm-hmm. They're going to say that the Democrats are unethical and they're the ones that are undermining democracy, which, you know. <laughs> um, and when they, while well, Democrats are sitting here with a slam dunk because, jo- because we have literally the president of the United States on a phone call arguing with state officials to change election results. Right. Suddenly there's going to be a uh, he said, she said, like, who who was the worst democracy underminer? And instead of it being really clear cut, 
But on one side, we respect the quote-unquote rule of law. On the other side, we don't. Now, Democrats are very openly trying to bend and distort and stretch the quote-unquote rule of law to its absolute limits to try to threaten the former president and current uh, presidential candidate with jail time. Right. I mean, that's just the reality. That's the truth of what is happening. Yeah. Okay. You know, this isn't a situation where Donald Trump robbed a convenience store, got caught on camera, and I'm sitting here saying, well, because he's running for president, he shouldn't have to face charges for robbing a convenience store. No, 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 no. <laughs> if, he did, if he did the felony, he should get treated like everybody else and do the felony. But the question here is whether or not they are con- contorting a felony into existence right. precisely because he's the president of the United or was the president of the United States. Okay. All right. And I can, I can get behind that. I can buy that. I was just, I just don't like the idea of us dismissing small things. Cause well, they're small. It's just money. It's just corruption. It's just, you know, like, no, 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 get him. Get right. him. But you know, someone, who is someone in here is saying like Lula, Lysol is saying Lula's imprisonment was baseless. I had a hard time. I was looking around. I had a hard time figuring out exactly what the claims was. My understanding was that they dug around and they found something that could be described as corruption, that there was like a favor paid someone, um, you know, federal funds directed to someone who had a relationship with, don't quote me on this, but something along those lines. And it Mm -hmm. wasn't like, you know, hi, I'm going to give you this payola and you don't deserve it to do this thing with this government money. But it was like, it was the equivalent of some of the stuff that's, you know, Maybe they got the job because they were the best person. Maybe they got the job because, right. uh, you know, I went to law school with them a la Stacey Abrams and her, you know, payments to her friend's law firm for all this election mm-hmm. stuff. You know, mm-hmm. like, it, it, and so it was, it was the kind of thing that happens. I learned tonight, I, I had drinks with some friends from the campaign. I learned tonight that apparently Foz's wife had a, a position in a, on a, what do you call it? Like a, an NGO. And now Foz is taking over her, uh, the, you know, Bernie's, um, right. campaign manager. Now, now Vaz is taking over her place and is the interim, you know, head of the org. And we were remarking on how like that's bad optics. Right. Okay. Like, I don't know that that's anything untoward there, but like those kinds of things happen. Husbands fill in their wives' positions. Maybe he's the best person for the job. Maybe it's favoritism. I don't know. It's none of my business. But it was like one of those kinds of things is my understanding with Lula. And they said that's corruption and they threw his ass in jail. Right. So, like, if that's the world we want to be in, okay. I, look, don't yell at me. I'm not in charge. I'm just trying to lay out what what it looks like and what it what the consequences could be. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know Lysol. I know that the, that he wasn't really everybody was corrupt. Operation Car Wash. I know. Like, I'm not. I'm not saying he was corrupt. But like, there are always things. The, the whole point of these tax violations and stuff is if you dig and pick, I'm sure I've made an error in my taxes at some point in my life. And that will be factually true. But that doesn't mean I'm a criminal or should go to jail. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not for That's jail. why audits are so pernicious. You know, yeah. like, that's why having like that small black town in Mississippi be the most audited place in America is so pernicious. Because if you look, you'll find stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not for, I'm not for jail for most things <laughs> in yeah. general. So, yeah. So I get it. I just feel... The, the, the conversation that is happening out in social media, in the media, whatever, is different from what you're talking about. 
the conversation that you started here in your intro, your conversation mm-hmm. with Lytle, it's different. And I feel like this is the conversation that should be happening there as opposed to, well, we'll be tiff at or, you know, we can't touch them at all. It just feels like we can't touch them at all. And I think that that... that I hope that this prosecution, if it doesn't go well or whatever, mm-hmm. that it doesn't set the precedent that, well, okay, we can't touch them at all for anything. See? See? We can't touch them. And it's... Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah, well, it's... We'll see know, what happens with Georgia or the documents case. We'll, you know, we'll yeah. see what happens. Or even this case. Again, maybe there's more. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not over. Like, maybe there's more and I'll eat my words and revi- revising. But what the point I was try- trying to make in my radar wasn't that we shouldn't touch them. But that, to put, but to remind people of all the things that are very substantive that we a hundred percent could touch them for. Yeah. But, but what could. would that mean about all of the quote unquote good guys? If you really start going after corruption, if you really start talking about where people's campaign money comes from, if you really right. start talking about war crimes, then it can't be political anymore because everybody's hands are dirty, which yep. kind of, you know, reveals the extent to which nobody has a substantive is- interest in justice. It's about picking the issues that you can selectively wield to hurt your political enemies. And you know, as long as you never cheat on your wife, you don't have to worry about it. And you can make a big deal of it when other people do it, you know? Yeah. I I just want to prosecute them all. That's what I want. I know. I know. And I wish we could have a bipartisan group of people who are like making that argument. (laughs) <laughs> but unfortunately, you know, we live in America and it is what it is. All right. Well, thanks for clarifying. Thanks for having me on. And um, good It's always nice to talk to you, Faye. Like, keep the faith, my friend. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, Karthik, what's on your mind tonight? Hey, Bree, what's up? Well, I first I just wanted to say that it is an honor to talk to the most uh, – Famous, popular person on Colin. Oh, well. <laughs> what a, um, what do you call it? A something of small somethings? Whatever. Big fish, small ponds. <laughs> yeah, whoever's the most famous person, whether it's, what you're like the rock or Tom Cruise of Colin. Um, yep, that's that's me. Put it on my tombstone. <laughs> yeah. No, besides that, um, so I'm sure, I'm guessing some people here will disagree with me. But I think there is a zero out of zero chance. Well, actually, that's impossible. So, yeah, it actually is zero out of zero chance. <laughs> um, because in math, you can't divide zero. By, but anyway, I, I do say, let me reiterate. There is a zero out of zero chance that I believe Trump is going to go to jail. If he does go to jail, it'll probably be like a uh, Lindsay Lohan type of sentence where he's in jail for like two hours or something. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I say this because the uh, ruling class always asks class solidarity, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, the math is like me and you and um, Jenny and Tom and whoever else is here. Um, we, we, we can fight all of ourselves about uh, pronouns or bathrooms or transports or what, or if, if skittles are being sexualized or whatever else is going to be woke next year um, or tampons or whatever. But they always protect their own because, you know, they know that because um, – yeah, and that's why, like, uh, I'm sure as other people said already, there's there's no violations of the uh, emoluments clause on here or uh, war crimes. Yeah, i i would bet I would bet the bank on um, him not seeing jail time. Also, just like I mean, I, I agree with you about people protecting their own. There was this line that one of his 
I think Trump said this in the speech he made after he got back to Florida. Um, that jail, you know, it's a big deal for men like him with like families and good jobs. It's, you know, this like implication that like jail, you know, jail and sentencing should be based on how good someone's life is on the in- outside. And if their life is shitty, that it doesn't really matter that much that their liberty has been stripped. <laughs> um, but even a, a part aside from that, which I think is a good point and a true point. Uh, I just don't think, like, legally, like, there's no way. Like, there's no way. It's like, it's like look at Steven Donziger. Like, I, I don't want to be in a world where I'm rooting for the, you know, people who prosecuted Steven Donziger because they were able to technically get his ass locked up. Technically, they got his ass locked up. You know? And they thought they were doing a good thing because they said, you know, they're they're friends of the of big oil. So like they won that one. Like, do we do we want to celebrate the extent to which the law can be twisted to punish like to to strip away people's liberty? That seems crazy to me. Get him on the stuff he did. He did stuff very clearly. And if you can't anymore like deal with the consequence of having let the statutes of limitations elapse. That's that's on you. Those were choices that were made. But, like, you can't then turn around and be like, we're going to throw the power of New York State's, you know, judiciary after you. Yeah, that's that's like crazy that. to me. Like, I don't understand how you could be rooting for that. Root for his, the real crimes that he did to be that are not last in the, under the statute of limitations to be prosecuted. Don't, don't root for, like, a crazy legal theory. And, look, maybe, look. Maybe some lawyer will come and tell me that the legal theory is not that crazy. Um, it is an untested legal theory, but it doesn't necessarily mean that's a bad legal theory. I've seen people say stuff like that. Like, sure, this has never been proven before in New York. The appeals court has never validated this theory before in New York, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it won't pass muster in New York. Okay. But, like, look, I'm no legal scholar, but the whole point of federal preemption, like, this is, like, law school, like, date, like, 101, 1L class stuff. And maybe I should have a Civ Pro lawyer on to talk about this. But, like, the whole point is you, like, federal court should hear federal issues. And so you're asking a New York t- state court to ultimately decide whether or not the, f- the federal election fraud case is – Real, because but for them finding the federal election hook to be legitimate, the federal records, the the sorry, the records violations, state law violations, are just misdemeanors. So I just I'm not seeing it. Like I, and again, I'm nobody's legal scholar. So if you're a legal scholar on the chat, raise your hand and I'll call you up. But like I just I don't see it. I don't see it. Well, you probably know a lot more than most of us uh, uh, on terms of law. Um, but yeah, I, I wish the DOJ prosecuted him. Like, well, obviously they were never going to do war crimes. Like, but like uh, even on the emoluments clause, because I, I know he's like opening up businesses in Saudi Arabia and Israel, and also like, even during his um, presidency, he was jacking up his hotel prices for government officials, mm-hmm. and, then, and then he was getting money off of them paying a lot of uh, extra um, uh, ho- hotel fees at his hotels, but obviously I'm guessing the reason why they didn't do that is because I'm sure ma- many people in Congress have also, uh, you know, taken uh, ad- advantage of their position to get super rich, mm-hmm. including insider trading. Mm-hmm. 
Insider trading is a great example. Well, well, people will kind of like whisper on the edges and kind of pretend not to be down for. And then when push comes to shove, everyone shuts up, you know, because <laughs> they all do it and they all benefit from it. So no one's going to call anybody out for it. Like, guys, we know this. Like, this is why we all love Bernie. Like, this is what the whole point was, that Bernie was the one who was able to say true things because he was one of the few people in Congress that didn't take this money and had the freedom to actually say the true things. Like, if you are implicated in the problem, you're going to keep your mouth shut. This isn't about R's and D's. It's about are you implicated in the problem and are you, in, in a good faith way, able to try to resolve it? With You know, because, you, because you're not taking yourself down with it. Yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, have you been seeing the uh, uh, coverage on this by uh, the establishment? I watched, I don't usually watch cable TV. I watched like seven hours of TV the day of the arraignment. You know, and like I I said, I was watching, I think I was watching NBC. And I was flipping back a little bit to CNN, but I was watching NBC mostly and I watched them all very excited beforehand, and I watched them all struggle with it afterward. And we did a montage in our A Block on Wednesday of all of the liberal media channels and the like skepticism slash disappointment they showed after um, after the arraignment and after the indictment was released and after uh, Bragg's remarks. And everyone really trying to come up with something. I mean, Laura Laura Verrick kept saying um, she's a, she was a legal analyst, and Laura Verrick kept saying. I mean, it's not that there's an evidentiary issue. There's tons of evidence. We can prove what happened. They can prove what happened. But the question is, can they make the felony hold up? Yeah, well, I guess the uh, uh, maybe the only good thing about this, it's probably making your uh, political opponents like uh, Rob Brennan and Jake Uger uh, jizzing in their pants right now. Yeah, like if if you think if you think it's worth it, and like maybe it is. If you if you if if the goal is not at all to throw Trump in jail. But just to embarrass him and, you know, to have the whole country talking about this stuff for a year. And that's a strategic choice to help Democrats win. You think that's going to work? Okay, then, you know, let's see what happens. Yeah, and uh, so before I go, um, do you have any thoughts on uh, RFK running for president? RFK um, not really. I think I saw Kyle say, so I saw someone opine that, you know, it. maybe it wasn't Kyle actually. But I saw someone opine that it's probably better for Marianne. To, you know, well, you didn't ask me how I felt about it. I think the dynamic is, generally speaking, it's good to have more candidates in the race because it makes it increasingly dif- more difficult for Democrats not to hold um, debates the more people are in the race. Now, whether RFK is the kind of candidate that makes, you know, seems so serious and legitimate that Democrats are pressured to have a debate is you know, an open question because he's, you know, said some stuff. Yeah. I mean, I like RFK cause he's actually a serious person. Like he's like sued, um, corporations for pollution and stuff. And actually right now he has some of his people, um, in East Palestine. Um, and he's, I, I know he wants to sue, um, uh, N- Norfolk Southern, but mm-hmm. I just don't think he, well, besides, I'm sure some will disagree, but obviously I just don't think he has a chance because it's a sham primary, but but regardless of that, even if it was like a, a real you know primary with debates and things like that, and like fair media coverage, it just seems like because of his stances on vaccines, that like make him like super unpopular uh, real quick within the Democratic uh, Party. Well, certainly it'll make him pop- unpopular within the Democratic Party establishment, but you know there's plenty of people, including a lot of Democrats, to be honest. I think that 
were also frustrated with many COVID policies that weren't well calibrated to actually stopping the spread of the pandemic and also infringed upon their, you know, freedoms. I think that, you know, there's, look, I think a lot of regular people wanted certain policies because we really did think that they were well calibrated to stopping the spread of the pandemic. But now we know, we know, you know, and we, we know that, um, what do you call it? Uh, post COVID immunity is equivalent to the booster. And we know that in other countries, they uh, issued vaccine cards and vaccine passports and stuff like that. If you prove that you had COVID and, you know, <laughs> all of the policies about not letting athletes come to the country and play sports, given the failure of the vaccine to meaningfully permit prevent trans, transmission feels silly in retrospect. And I'm not like mad at anybody. I, I believe all of that stuff was helpful and legitimate. And I kind of didn't question it as much as I should have. And I think mostly the onus is on the CDC and the organizations that didn't allow as much robust conversation about these issues at the time that would have helped us make policies that made a little bit more sense as soon as the information came out and kept Americans a little less mad and maybe, you know, pursued other kinds of policies that actually did stop transmission, like distributing high quality masks and getting people fitted for masks and putting air filtration devices in public spaces and stuff like that. Yeah, the uh, cloth masks were always funny. I was a huge tennis fan. I was sad about that. Um, do you think that there's any chance that, that Trump is, is, is going to go to jail? Do I think that Trump's going to jail? No. Okay. Well, uh, uh, good talk, Bree. Uh, keep the faith. Thanks, Karthik. Keep the faith. All right. Karthik was from the front, right? So let me hop around. Let me go to Donnie. What's on your mind tonight? You with us, Donnie? FYI, if you're new here, like I think Donnie might be. I do one from the front of the line, and then I just pick oh. a random from someplace Hello. in line. Hey, hey Donnie, what's on your mind there. tonight? Yeah, a big unmute button just popped up. I'm sorry. Um, no worries. Well, two things. Um, a request to game it out with regards to Donald Trump. Uh, sure. Because with regards to, you know, Bill Clinton, John Edwards, John Edwards was essentially a non-factor simply because, um, you know, he he was running for office. He didn't quite make it there, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to the president's office. So he, he non-factor. Bill Clinton. And was yet they still charged him. Yeah. And yet sure. they still charged but, him. And it was like 2012. It was like years after the election. Oh, really? Oh, I, 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 it passed my mind. I honestly, it was just, it seemed like it was done at the time and he had to drop out of the race because of it. Um, no, I, I, the, the oh, case concluded at the very least. I remember seeing the date of 2012. Oh, right. Um, when so, I was looking it up the other day. I could be wrong. Fact check me if you, if you guys in the chat want to look it up. Yeah. But go no, ahead. I'm sorry. To, no worries. Um, to my memory, it was simply a question of, um, yeah, him dropping out because they had uncovered this illicit affair and then he had to drop out because of it. But, you know, right. No, I, uncovering I the affair and charging him for the federal election violation are two different things. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, I'm I'm talking about the political ramifications of it all. Um, so that's number one with John Edwards. That's out of him out of the way as, as far as it goes in my mind uh, with Bill Clinton. Um, my 
curiosity, well, it was essentially sure it was a Republican witch hunt, right? But it, there were, it was based on some semblance of fact and sure it was technically a victimless crime. But uh, essentially back then people were essentially more, I'd, I'd say, socially conservative. Uh, and it was, you know, the station of the president of the United States. So it was a big deal in that sense. Um, so I can, I can understand, you know, to, to some morally, extent. I think with Bill Clinton, right. it was very gross. I think that Monica Lewinsky was what, five, six years older than his daughter. And subjectively as a human being, I think it's very gross, but it's not illegal. Sure, but- and it was frankly, nobody's business in terms of from like oh. a legal perspective. And at the end of the day, what did they get him on? Lying under oath. So if you push and you prod and you, you, you stress an issue, you can force a real crime. Like you can force something real, but is that the world we want to be living under? Oh no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, I'm not like, I agree with you 100% on your points. The, the thing I I'm thinking about is that um, how it could be essentially brushed under the rug as not specifically a like the democrats would sort of like you know shy away from coming into the defense of bill clinton you know in a big way sort of like championing him sure his achievements in office he's a much loved president etc etc but they wouldn't be like oh you know because uh, you did this to bill clinton we're going to do this to your next president or whatever you know they wouldn't try and go after the, the next republican candidate for something superfluous you know as opposed to how it would play out in my mind in this situation where a lot of people, I mean, you, right? You're not the biggest Donald Trump fan last I checked, but you (laughs) see this as superfluous, right? Uh, and so many people on the left, on MSNBC, on who, wherever you ask, everybody. I I wouldn't describe me as seeing this as superfluous. I want to be really clear. My objection is not to how minor the crime is or anything like that. Right. It's to that there is not a claim. (laughs) There is not a felony claim. Like, I don't think there is a legally justiciable felony charge here. There's just not one here. Right. Okay. Once again, on a process, on the process, on Alvin Bragg's, you know, sort of like ability to pull this off, it just seems, you know, shaky at best. I think you said that. So Mm -hmm. the the issue um, I'm thinking of is that, okay, sure they see this as superfluous and uh previously they were like you know with uh, hillary clinton uh, you know lock her up um after all this plays out I, i'm just curious as to like what they would do what the republican side would do it it's essentially what i'm saying is that this is sort of like an extreme um uh you know version of uh mitch mcconnell uh, holding up essentially all of that legislation during the Barack Obama, um, uh, you know, his time in office where basically they didn't pass anything and uh, kind of like the childish tit for tat with uh, Donald Trump tearing up the Iran uh, nuclear deal just because it was Obama that sort of like, uh, you know, uh, and a lot of legislation with Obama trying to get rid of, uh, um, not Medicare, God, why is, why is my mind blanking? Uh, healthcare, uh, Basic, Obamacare? basic coverage for everyone. Yes, Obamacare. Trying to tear that up simply because his name was on it, right? So it's this tit for tat that's being escalated in this particular point by the Democrats through this sort of, uh, uh, you know, prosecution. Uh, this, you know, like everybody, sure, you'd, you'd go and say, oh, everybody knows that, uh, that Donald Trump was guilty of this or whatever, but uh, 
you saw the reaction when, you know, Ron DeSantis hit him on really light points. Uh, and like, how dare you? This is obviously a small contingent of the Republican Party, but the but as regardless, the Republican Party sees this guy as his own and coming to Trump's defense is seen as a political win and going after the Democrats with, you know, superfluous prosecutions of their own could seem as, you know, like, uh, hey, you know, uh, I, I'm, I, I'm giving them what they give to your hero Trump. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, they should play hardball by finding an actual crime that Trump did and prosecuting him for it. But that's not what they're doing in New York. I don't know no, what, I, no, I don't no, know no. what you what guys want me to say. Yeah, no, no, like, I, like I, I, look, there, there are people who are, who will make an argument like we don't want to be a tip. Like, Democrats historically have not responded to Trump's hardball with hardball. Like they let okay. they let them block Trump's. Uh, sorry, they let um, Republicans block Obama's court appointees and that they don't do anything in return. They won't pack the court. They won't even threaten to pack the court. They won't do anything. I'm not sitting here saying like, oh, Democrats should be civil. We shouldn't lock up presidents. We don't want to set that precedent. We shouldn't lock up the bankers after 2008 because we don't want to set that precedent. I'm not saying any of that. I'm completely here for Democrats fighting fire with fire. But they don't have, like, my perception, my reading of this posture of this case from a procedural law perspective is that they don't have fire they got it there's fire elsewhere but there is not fire in new york well no, so hold up I, I think you misunderstood me i'm basically asking okay. i know the republicans have fire that's the th- that's the issue here like what's done is done this prosecution has been filed uh, trump has been arraigned that's all been done right and i think we could both most people, you know, predict that it's going to just be a big nothing burger in terms of uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the actual prosecution going through whether it goes through or not. That's not my, the point I'm trying to make. The damage has been done. You know, the, the knives have been, you know, unsheathed with regards to this prosecution and it being perceived right as a shot over the cro- over the bow from the Democratic Party against the Republicans writ large. Right. So my question is is how the Republicans, after all this is done, what what do you think are the small and or big ways they're going to try and essentially bring the fire oh, to see. the Democrats? Right. Um, like, well, I, there are the two the lawmakers in Tennessee, the state reps that got kicked out, um, just kicked out of the House. So oh. they're doing things like that. There was the Democrat... Um, who just switched her party affiliation, giving, I'm sorry, is, um, oh, North yeah, Carolina, giving them a majority, yeah. giving Republicans a majority. Yeah. They'll do things like that. If they get enough governors, Republicans, I'm sure, would happily have a constitutional convention. Like, the, I, 100%, they'll do something. They've already been threatening. Like, and, and Democrats have been, like, brushing, like, like rolling their eyes at this and saying, oh, what are you going to do, Democrats? As, as the Democrats haven't committed crimes. Republicans have been saying they're going to find conservative-friendly district attorney's offices all over the country and bring cases against Democrats. Purely political prosecutions against Democrats. And Democrats are like, well, you have to have a crime to, like, like, I'm not worried about this. Like, they don't understand jurisdiction. They don't understand there has to be an actual crime in the place. Okay, you think that they can't find some overlap between a a Republican-friendly DA's office and a Democrat who did a crime? Bro. Have you heard of Illinois? Uh, like, <laughs> uh, have you heard of those crooks in Chicago in a state that is not all that blue? 
outside of the city. Like, I just, I don't understand the, the naivete here. Um, you know, it might not be a president. They might not get that done. Sure. But like, sure, but- of course, they're gonna, and, and they'll probably do it regardless. It's like too late. It's out of the, and so like, I'm not, I'm just, I'm just not that interested in the political aspect of this. Like, however no, the politics played out, I'm not Nostradamus. Who knows what will happen? Who knows who will win 100 years from now, long archive history, blah, blah, blah. All I know again, is that if I were going to play this game, I would uh, choose better puzzle, like a better piece, of, a better place to start on the, on the gaming board. Sure. I mean, I'm not even looking at it from that perspective because the, the, ge- the piece has been played. You know, it's done. Like Alvin Bragg cannot like rescind whatever he's done, and it's it's a clear perception on one side that hey, this is completely political, and that's it, right? That, like you cannot unspill this milk. Uh, but what you brought up was actually really interesting because sure the Republicans are going to go after all these Democratic uh, you know legislators uh, across the board, just bringing up uh, you know prosecutions, but you know. Isn't that a silver lining in a way? Because if they're trying to nail all these uh, Democrats on things, and like you said, it's going to be corruption. <laughs> it's it's an I don't know. It's like well, I don't know how to describe it. I'm sure there's like a a good analogy for this, but essentially, they're going to be bringing the heat on corruption in the Democratic Party inadvertently, just out of spite for what you know the Democrats did to Trump. So essentially, they're inadvertently but it's not going to be corruption kicking these guys out of kicking these Uh, guys out of the these tennessee reps out it's not corruption they just i'm not i'm sorry i haven't been following that and understand the mechanism exactly but they just did it it's not because they did anything wrong the the democrat who switched sides she just did it she just did it you know like there's something good that's going to come out of this we're not going to be like oh yes now all the corrupt people operation car wash in Brazil, right. framed itself right. as an anti-corruption campaign. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't. It didn't resolve corruption issues in Brazil. It was in and itself a, a, a corruption campaign, a politicized right. witch hunt to get rid of people's political opponents to get rid of progressives like Lula. Like that's what it was. Like this is not going to inert anybody's benefit. Right. Because right. again, Republicans right. don't want to open the door. To their own corrupt people going down either they're going to find dumb shit and go after people for dumb shit and that's what it's going to be it's not going to be helpful there is literally nothing good that's going to come out of this you know what could could be good if if all of the republicans that feel like there's a witch hunt but agree with me like look at the comments under my radar there are a lot of republicans a lot of republicans a lot of conservatives who watch rising who were like yes i completely agree with you brianna we should be going after war crimes Oh, all right. Oh, well, oh, so I'm like, sorry. I, w- yeah, I wish we could have. That, that's what hurts. That's what hurts. It's well, no, hurt. stop. That's I don't, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested what? in the fact that we know that there are a shit ton of people on the left and a shit ton of people on the right who agree that if we're going to open the door to prosecuting and jailing presidents, potentially, that it should be on substantive issues like war crimes. So why aren't we talking about moving movement building around this? I don't want to have a conversation about how unlikely it is or how pipe dreamy it is. I want to have a conversation that given that reality, what can we do to try to make that reality more viable, less impossible than it is on this moment as I'm lying on my couch? And what's interesting is the concept that, um, you know, like a, a war crime is essentially under the purview of the president in the United States because it's like, you know, commander in chief sort of a decision. So. 
I don't know. Like, it's one of those things where uh, is there judicial precedent uh, of basically, um, uh, you know, prosecuting? Like, is there a prevention? Is there a preventative clause somewhere in the Constitution or the First Amendment? Like, I don't know, somewhere in the in the books that says that you can't punish a president for the uh, decisions that they make as president specifically not civil issues or personal issues but rather their decisions as president to whether you know like i don't know there's some there is some stuff about i think you can't get sued for that stuff while you're president it's not really clear to me what happens afterward you you have to ask somebody else Ah, all right well yeah it's just interesting just to figure i mean like like you said the issue with illinois the issue of, of that uh uh, you know, uh, that, uh, what was it, a senator that, that, that switched sides? Uh, or what was it? Uh, either way, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, mm-hmm. All that, all that malarkey, so to speak, is, uh, uh, well, you know, uh, it's, I was just really, really curious as to how all this is going to play out. And essentially, this was not, uh, you know, a decision of the Democratic Party writ large. This was a decision of one, you know, very, very, uh, She's a North say. Carolina state legislator. All right, state Trisha caught him. Right. Well, basically, like you know, all this is, is has come about just because of one, you know, aspiring young, young, but you know what I'm saying, like uh, Alvin Bragg with 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 I don't know what kind of play he wants to make. It's just personal ambition of just. I think his it's name personal. It's just. It's funny. Hey, like, you know, we're living through history always, you know, like that one person's personal ambition could shift weight on such a huge scale with uh, throughout, like, you know, a couple of parties. I mean, there's a chance that because everybody in the Republican Party hates Trump, they're going to, you know, they're going to bitch and moan for a little bit. And then everything's going to just go back to normal. That could happen. Or they could be it could be like that, you know, bugaboo that they always pull out and say, hey, you people prosecuted Trump. So this is why we're doing this. And, it, you know, it, it allows us to do this, you know, uh, but, you know, who I knows? mean, when people said lock her up about Hillary Clinton, uh, right. it was perceived to be deeply authoritarian and anti-democratic. And she broke laws. <laughs> like, right. She she broke laws. She had to pay a fine. It was a misdemeanor. She she violated election law. She literally violated election law. So, you know, I mean, that's the thing on both cases, whether it's like I'm I'm of the camp that says, okay, prosecute Trump, prosecute like anyone commits a crime, just prosecute them. Let the let the letter of the law play out. And that's it. I mean, like I and I don't see it as political. That's the issue with me is that not everybody sees it this way. But it's like, you know, if you have him on something, sure, bring it to trial, see what it goes for. Uh, If it pans out, fine. If it does it. All right. You know, I mean, the law has been served. I mean, but that's the issue with politics. It's mostly emotions, mostly people throwing their weight behind one side because they hate the other side. So, like, I don't know, but just the way it's playing out is just, uh, well, as uh, to quote a great man, it's silly season, you know, Uh, Mm. and I'm kidding about that, by the way. But, you know, (laughs) like, it's it's just it's it's just it's. you know, it's pettiness in the in the grand scheme of things. It's uh, po- political ambition for no real, you know, uh, mm-hmm. benefit at the end. It doesn't inure to anyone's benefit. I mean, even to Alvin Bragg, if he's gonna, everybody says he's gonna lose this. So, 
uh, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. it's been nice talking, Brie. Look, thank, and, uh, yeah, they, yeah, thanks for calling in, Donnie. Keep the faith. You too. Take care. Take care. All right, Jenny, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, I edit videos every day of what I think are the best clips, and I didn't watch as much as you did, but I watched a lot. And I thought mm-hmm. John Bolton did the best analysis on CNN with Jake Tapper, and he said several times, I don't want Trump as president again. He's, but I do think his legal analysis, analysis was spot on mm-hmm. about the day's activities. And so I put a link in the chat if anybody wants to go watch that 10-minute clip from CNN. Um, I, I'm all in with Robert Kennedy Jr. running. I think if Trump's derailed, and I'm a Trump supporter, I think I could easily vote for Robert Kennedy. He wrote the definitive book on Dr. Fauci, and he's been a long-term authentic activist on many issues. What do you make of him running as a Democrat? I think it's great. I, I, he's never said he was a Republican. He's always been a Democrat, and um, I would I would vote for him. Is it – does it – is it – weird or uncomfortable to you or do you question you know his politics or his motives as a are do you can are you a trump voter or do you identify as also a conservative or a republican or just, was it just trump that made you want to vote republican i'm a conservative and i have been a republican in the past i've been a libertarian right now i'm unaffiliated and just call myself an american woman who wants to preserve the republic that i love but um yeah i could vote for a democrat easily that's so interesting to me because I feel like even someone who I really liked, it would give me pause if they ran as a Republican. I would, I would just want to know why, you know, like, you know, these are choice, you know, these parties, as much as so many candidates don't adhere to what the stated values or principles of the parties are, they do, you know, they are supposed to stand for something. So if a Democrat were running as a Republican, I would ask, well, what are the policy positions that make you want to identify as Republican? And if they were able to answer those questions and there were policies that, you know, had them being Republican, then, you know, I don't agree with those policies, so I wouldn't want to support them even if I liked them. And if they argue that they had differences of opinions with the Republican Party, then I would need some explanation of what, why strategically they still chose to run under that banner. And then maybe I could still vote for them, but I would need them to address that dissonance you know, otherwise I would think, well, are they really the person I think they are or are they adopting the values of a party that I don't share? Well, I left the Republican Party when Alan Keyes ran for president. He had joined and was ready to go at a debate, Republican, you know, primary, and uh, they would not let him in the door. And I was so incensed by how that man was treated. I left the party that week. And since then, I've just watched and observed. And, you know, those Rockefeller Republicans who've run everything for decades, they hate Trump as much as the left does. They are embarrassed by him. They thought many times over the last seven years, oh, he's done, he's gone, we're going to get rid of him. And they're they're just as hopeful <laughs> for him being derailed as anybody out there. So mm. I can't affiliate with them. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I certainly I'm, I don't I'm not saying my approach is better or worse than your approach. I'm just I'm just curious about um, whether or not the fact of running for Democrat, you know, ruffled your feathers or means anything to you, because I'm trying to get a sense of what, a, you know, what kind of constituency he might be able to stitch together. Do you live in a state with an open primary? Uh, I'm in Colorado and we have caucuses. OK, so and I can switch party the day before and vote for whoever I want. And so I, I probably will do that if uh, if he runs. 
I think his base would be broad. I mean, Robert Kennedy is just, he's got so much authenticity about him that he's really not establishment at all. They hate him. And so that's, that's for sure. I just think he would, he would really be a popular candidate. I think he'll have a tough time going up against Marianne, actually. I think she's also beloved. And so it'd be interesting to see those two debating Joe Biden. Gosh, I'd pay money to watch that debate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I, I'm reluctant to bring, um, I'm reluctant to bring up some of the um, kinds of things that he has said that I know will get some more negative media attention because I don't want to do the thing that people did with Marianne, which is to take your most kind of like soundbitey statement and try to make a caricature of you with it. And I will admit, I'm like looking at a copy of the real Dr. Fauci that I bought months ago and haven't gotten around to reading. So like certainly now is the time and I, I'm going to keep, you know, I want to fully understand the phenomenon and not come to this with judgment. But I also am, I did see some people tweeting around, you know, clips of, I think it was from this anti-war rally most recently and making kind of, what didn't, you know, not so great sounding statements about um, favorably comparing um, the freedoms Jews experienced under the, during the Holocaust to the freedoms people had under covid um, and stuff like that. And and I wonder what you, you know, how you think those kinds of things are going to fly. And if you're worried at all uh, about him getting sidelined um, in the way that Marianne is, they're trying to sideline Marianne for some of the less mainstream statements. Well, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out now that he has officially declared. Mm-hmm. But, you know, people are so skeptical of the news and the way that they pounced on that and didn't report on the rest of his speech, which was excellent. You know, it was like they, everybody thought that's all that he ta- he talked about. And it was, mm. his, his speech was so much more than that. And he was standing with all of those frontline doctors at a rally. Mm. And so, you know, people really need to do some deep dives on what, what's actually said as opposed to what's said by the media. And then uh, read his work. His work is sterling. And when I read the Dr. Fauci book, I had no clue of the level of evil that was emanating from this one man. And I just think we need some truth. We've all just been through this COVID thing for three years and we need the truth and we need to hold some people accountable for the way that they've messed with us on every level. On top of that list is Dr. Anthony Fauci. Yeah. I mean, I I definitely, like I said, I got a lot of, I mean, I've just booked a bunch of guests today and several of them are the kind that I have to, I mean, not have to read their book, but I would like to read their book, but it's just time consuming. Um, And I'm looking at this real Dr. Fauci, um, real Anthony Fauci book. And, uh, and I, I mean, I think you're right. I, I, I resent when people like, look, even people that I like have said things that are, you know, chuggy as the kids say. Um, so I, I do, before I weigh in, I do want to make sure that I've listened more fulsomely. And before I start critiquing, really understand why it is that so many people find RFK so compelling. So I appreciate you calling in. Thanks for taking my call. It's an honor. Oh, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Keep the faith. All right, let's go to Chris. How you doing, Chris? Hey, hey, hey. Long time no talk. How you been? I've been good. How have you been? I am good. I'm actually about to step out for the first time since we had a good day in Maryland, you know, as far as like the weather and everything. So it hasn't it been beautiful? I mean, it's like a little, it was 87 degrees here today. 
literally 87, and then it's going to drop back down to 50 probably tomorrow. But that's Maryland weather, unfortunately. It's going to be 50 tomorrow? Huh? You said it's going to be 50 tomorrow? Oh, well, I don't know, though, but that's typically how it goes. We'll get a good day of weather, and then the next day it's, like, windy or it's, like, rainy, and then it's, like, you can't really, like, Okay, so you got to let me know because I need to know if I need to iron my pants or if I can keep wearing dresses for the rest of the week to work tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I want. I, th- I have, like, my one pair of, like, black rising pants, <laughs> and I threw them into the wash, and they came out wrinkled as hell, and... All the, every time I've, I've woken up every day I had rising this week, looked at those pants and gone, oh, shit, I was supposed to iron these and then thrown on a dress instead because I didn't have time. Well, so let me just look. Okay, it's going to be yeah. 59 tomorrow, so um, that's borderline. I think I need pants. All right, well, the good thing is, you know, we don't see your pants on rising, so you can just got to worry about right. the top, so you're good. So you can wear <laughs> wrinkle pants in. I'm pretty sure Rising has probably like a lot of white people, so they're probably not going to clown you for having wrinkles. Stop. So, so you know, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm, just I'm not trying out. to be reductive, but Chris, let's talk about it. Okay, let's talk about it. <laughs> I have observed. Now, I will admit to being a black, a bad black person on many respects. I tend toward loofahs rather than washcloths. I have been caught out in these streets with some ashy ankles. Like I'm not a perfect person. Okay. However. Like I and I and I'm not great at ironing as you've just heard, but uh-huh. I'm not gonna wear the wrinkle thing. I'm just gonna like choose something else. My observation as a 37 year old woman in this world who has liaised with people of all stripes <laughs> is that there is such a significant difference. I had a boyfriend, black obviously, who used to iron his t-shirts. <laughs> This man, every piece of clothes that he put on his body looked like he just took it out the pack. Uh-huh. Fresh out the pack. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I had never, I had never seen somebody's assiduously ironed, like, T-shirt. This man would have worn under, underwear, ironed his underwear if he thought that he was going to end up in a hospital or something. Like, it was crisp. Like, dumb stuff. Like, not new stuff. Like, not nice stuff. I swear to God, this man probably ironed his gym shirts. <laughs> yes yes you can't be wrinkled come on come on come on now you know you can't i grew up on the whole you can't be wrinkled and everything is like not wrinkled so yes jeans t-shirts everything you can like literally if you can iron meanwhile literally meanwhile some of my caucasian acquaintances will fully like it's not just oh this is a linen shirt and it's supposed to be kind of rumpled will fully be out in these streets and I'm looking, and I'm like, oh, hey, you ran out of the house like you forgot. Like, yep. you must have just forgotten. This must have been a mistake. Was there a fire drill? <laughs> oh, yes, literally, literally. And I'm like, sir, we cannot be out here like this together. Like, this cannot be, this This is not the move. I respect our cultural differences, but we're going to have to figure out how to meet in the middle. Maybe a steamer. Can we get a steamer in the mix? <laughs> I bought a steamer one time. Yeah, no, I got a steamer. Um, I lost it, though, but just because I felt like they said it was, like, better as far as, like, shirts and stuff. Because, like, sometimes if you don't, like, uh, when you're ironing, like, you don't put the starch down and you just, like, iron it with just like that, it just, like, it'll get Ooh, starch. Down. Honey, I've never uh, I've never owned starch. I don't know what kind of <laughs> device starch comes in. Is it in a bottle? Is it in a can? See, this is what I'm talking about. That's not my life. <laughs> But I did buy a steamer. Like, my compromise position is I purchased a steamer last summer, and it changed my life. Yeah, it was a, it was a great it, – it, it was to me, a steamer was definitely better than an iron because sometimes, like, the iron, if, especially if you don't, like, clean it out or if you, like, leave water in it and stuff like that. You got to clean an iron? 
You're blowing my mind right now. So, so what happens is like um, we used to um in my house we had this iron. Now, mind you, we had this iron for probably like I'm gonna say at least like ten to fifteen years, right? So what will happen is like if you like fill it up with water and everything, and then like if you don't press the steam, let it vent and let the water get out. If you would put that on a white shirt, you would just get like brown stuff out of it because like the inside oh. of it would rust and you would fuck up your shirt. So it was like, oh shit, you gotta like filter this kind of thing out. You gotta let this go before, you know. I, I learned like lessons like the hard way, like getting ready to, for school and shit. And then I got the crisp white shirt and then I just go too quick because I'm rushing and then bam, next thing you know, big old oh, brown no. thing on my shirt. And now I gotta figure, now I gotta figure stuff out. So yeah, you are blowing yeah. my mind. See, you're obviously professional. You obviously have all of your black person honors badges, <laughs> your merit badges, your sash is full. <laughs> and I have all the respect in the world for it. Listen, what I have that. hacked is that I, what I like about a steamer is that I don't need to get out an ironing board or find a flat surface or, or crouch down on the ground or anything. Oh, I I'm hang the thing up. <laughs> I hang it on the back of my door hook or whatever in the bathroom and just steam it. <laughs> Listen, it's a whole process. Trust me. It's a I don't need process. a. I don't need a surface. I just wave the steamer over it like a magic wand and it gets where we need to go. <laughs> Listen, man, it's like I say, especially if like you're on vacation and stuff, or if you like yes. Airbnb and they don't got an iron board, then you gotta iron it on the bed, which right, put in towels down and stuff. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, 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 it's not there, it's not there. So, but listen, Bree, we're not judging you for that. You know, you experienced a very cultural life. You live in three different countries. You came to America, <laughs> so you have a lot of experience that us as African Americans or as Black Americans have not experienced, so you don't ever. Chris, look at I appreciate the life. grace. I appreciate the grace that you're bringing to this equation, and I just want to shout out to all of the crisp, the crisp Black men in my past, <laughs> and the wrinkly, not Black men. <laughs> you were also worthwhile. You know, I'll say. Yeah, you know what was funny? I was literally just throwing it out there. It's like, uh, I know they don't say nothing to you at your job because white people don't care about wrinkleness. But you kind of highlighted that stereotype that I thought. that like It's true. Not a single person has ever yeah, said anything. Care, to, yeah, and I'd yeah. be walking in there. Before I washed these pants, I had worn them a few times. And well, can you imagine walking in on like a show like on BET or something like that or a black network? And you I would not. Pants. Oh, yeah. They, oh, you, 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 boy, you got a whole nickname. I would job. not. In fact, I was hey, out. Michael. I went... <laughs> I went to a drink earlier today. That's why I said I was going to have an early call in and then I didn't. I, my friend had a, my friend from the campaign had like a little thing for his birthday and I, I went over there and I like kind of went last minute. I didn't really dress my, you know, my edges are a little, you know, it was like wash day. (laughs) And, but I was like, who cares? Like, I'm this is going to be, you know, not my people at this event. In comes this extremely, well put together black guy who works at the Grio, whose skin was flawless, hair fantastic, crisp blazer on. I said, "Oh my lord!" So digging around in my purse to try to find something to address my knuckle situation. <laughs> 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 I was out here in my rubber Birkenstocks because it was supposed to rain. I was like, "Oh, let me address this toe situation. Let me sneak off, slink off to the bathroom before I get called out by my own kin." I know that. Oh my God! Yes, the oh the ashy. No, oh no. I was like, oh knuckles. no. Oh, These God. other people thought I was dressed to the nines, probably. But then here he comes. <laughs> 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 no, let me stop. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I just, we're, I'm just. Chris and I are just having a little bit of fun. Yeah, Chris, yeah. You know we do that. We do. That. What, 
on your mind tonight more substantively than you know my crusticles? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, your ashy ankles and your, uh, <laughs> your, your knuckles. Um, so what did I? I actually had something, but we just went off on that tangent, and now I'm more curious about like the grill and that party, and then like the difference and everything like that. So, um, hold on, give me one second. I, I I'm had, sorry. I had something I wanted to talk about. I did have something. Oh, um, let's. I want to talk about like um the left and our wins that we had this week oh yeah sure yeah so um brandon what's his last name brandon uh, johnson yeah brandon johnson won and then the um the supreme court person in missouri won so um one mm-hmm. shout out to us that uh you know it's very rare that the left kind of gets like on a, you know get anything that we can celebrate so let's clap our hands and like celebrate and everything like that you know so shout yes out to <laughs> i'm i'm hearing that this is a referendum on the Democratic Party's strategy of going tough on crime and that they're not going to stop doing that because Abigail Spamberger and Claire McCaskill, um, you know, they're, they're very deeply concerned about these trends and what they mean for the Democratic Party. And every time a tough on crime person wins, they get on the TV. Claire McCaskill from her ugly Harlequin tile kitchen comes on to tell us that we just got to be tougher on crime. And now that we've seen a reversal of the trend, I'm sure they're all going to be on MSNBC talking about how we have to um, defund the police. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that, uh, unfortunately, none of that is going to happen. They're going to take this as kind of like a mulligan and everything, unfortunately. But um, I guess the question I did have is, is like now since we do have or there is a guy that is on the left that won a significant position, is it going to be too much that he has to be perfect? Because I think as us, as the left, we got to do what shit libs do. And, you know, if he fucks up on anything like that, we just got to acknowledge, like, the things he did do. Like, we can never, you know, we can never go, like, you know, Joe, uh, on fucking uh, Joe Biden and talk about, like, the kids still in cages. And I guess, like, the new uh, trans bill that he uh, he that he that proposed and stuff like that, as far as, like, excluding tra- uh, trans uh, women. Mm-hmm out of uh, sports and sports stuff. yeah so, you know, they'll, they'll just gloss over all the shit stuff or the fucking um um the new uh, uh oil drilling and shit like that that um he did in uh, alaska so like you know of course they'll just gloss over that and say that shit doesn't matter so i think we have to do kind of like the same thing though but in this left position is it one of those things that he has to be perfect and the only reason why i'm asking for the perfect because he's going to get it from birth ends you know the police unions are going to clearly be pissed off so they're going to you know they're going to show their ass well what did they say like 30,000 not 30 maybe that sounds like a big number but a whole bunch of them said they were going to quit if you won yeah yeah and i think that was just a tactic to try to scare um at the end of the day police well no 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 they should go ahead and quit (laughs) yeah no honestly i don't have a problem with that at all because then i think we can get a fresh batch and we can get these fuckers fuck up out of here so i have no problem with that and i think that was just a bluff because at the end of the day they can't pretend like they don't need money either so they just like the rest of us you know paycheck to paycheck or they got expenses and stuff to where they just can't up and quit their job that being said it's it is going to be highlighted especially crime like it's going to be highlighted on both sides so it's like and unfortunately yeah so i wonder if like is he going like is it going to be a thing where he needs he's going to have to really knock it out the park early to get that. I, don't I don't think so i don't think well first of all i don't know anything about his record being anything having any skeletons in it um, maybe that's the case, but I've only heard positive things so far. So, you know, it's not like where we immediately knew that some candidates were kind of like compromised candidates. Yeah. I'm thinking of folks like, I mean, we've talked about Maxwell Frost and the Israel stuff. Um, you know, I know that she was never really a progressive darling, 
a leftist darling, but someone like Stacey Abrams came in with like very public baggage. She had done all that stuff with um, voting to end the free college program for people with high uh, or, you know, um, grade point averages over a certain point in Georgia. Like there was stuff that was known in the ether. I don't know. Brandon's kind of come from behind. And so maybe it's just that I haven't heard as much because he was such a long shot in the first round of the election. Mm-hmm. But so nothing like comes to mind as a problem immediately. And then moreover, like, I don't, I don't actually think leftists are like the man isn't running for president. I don't see a world where suddenly everyone's yelling at him about what his foreign policy positions are. And he comes up short. He's, you know, mayor of Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. He's not going to get that Marianne treatment. Where yeah, it's like, not, it's, I mean, it's, he's just, it's really like actually just not super germane to his job. Yeah. It's not that you shouldn't care what he thinks on the inside and that you shouldn't you know, judge him morally or whatever, but like politically it's kind of actually irrelevant. I don't know. Some of that, some of that foreign policy stuff at least. Um, so yeah, I, I don't yeah. think, I don't expect him to get uh, any blowback from the left unless he does something actually dumb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah. I don't think he'll be as bad as far as like, pissed like um people like liberals in the left off as far as like Lori lightfoot did and everything too so like maybe he can kind of like exist in that world i mean it's a democratic state but, but you know obviously it's more corporate than everything of all the corruption and everything that goes on there so they're going to be out for him and everything but i mean he the fact that he got the teach the teachers unions like to back him i think that was like a big like a big step mm-hmm. too so like it was good coalition building i'm really interested to see like his breakdown as far as like the, like his team and everything and how they was able to do that because maybe yeah. it could be potentially something that could be replicated. Cause unfortunately outside of Bernie Sanders, we really outside of like left figures and stuff like that. It's hard for us to kind of get that. And it's because obviously the, the left is very fractured. We have our, we have our, the ones who pretend they are left, but you know, you know, they, they always, they do like the bidding for liberals and stuff like that. Then we have the, I guess what you consider radical. I don't call them radicals, but the, the the radical left and then you have the ones who are just like you either gotta you gotta be here you gotta be there and you gotta be there if not you are a piece of shit and we just not fucking with you and we're gonna call in and we're gonna spam every account that either puts you or try to highlight you in any kind of way we're gonna be all in your comments and we just gonna shit on this thing and make sure that this like this does not happen so it's very fractured and stuff like that so Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, no no need to anticipate bad stuff. Let's just enjoy the win. I think you're right about that, Chris. And uh, it's always fun to talk to you. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, no problem. And I appreciate always going, you know, having our little, you know, our uh, our little banters and stuff. Like, (laughs) I know people in the comments be a little mad, but, you know, they can get over it. They can, you know, they don't got to be serious all the time. It's calling. (laughs) That's that's right. That's (laughs) the fun of it all. Thanks, Chris. Keep the beep. You too. Bye-bye. All right, Tomcat. How are you doing? Uh, hey, Bree. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, I guess not too much. I was, I'm glad I got to make it on. This is my first time being able to actually get to speak with you. But uh, Oh, I'm so glad, Tom. Sorry. I mean, I called you Tomcat because you got a cat on your shoulder. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 some people call me Tomcat. I'm also oh, yeah? Here, so. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. All right. Well, share with us tonight. What's on your mind, first time caller? Uh, well, like I think a lot of it has already been covered, but it's just like if Trump is able to beat all these cases and kind of just 
depicted as a witch hunt, what are the Democrats going to run on against him? Like 15 million people just got kicked mm. off. Was it Medicare or Medicaid? Sorry, Medicaid. I'm mm-hmm. no, it's different up here. But uh, yeah, it's just like. That what, is a fascinating the, question because. Like, it, so, so for one, I think it's none. It's not going to be all wrapped up by the election. So Democrats aren't entirely yeah. going to have to face a reality where Trump is fully exonerated and he's standing there saying, I'm innocent. Anyone fairly persecuted me. And Democrats are now left like empty handed with all of this energy expended and nothing to show for it. And also with all of the public energy sucked up about Trump and not talking about their own affirmative agenda. That, that is not what's exactly going to happen, I think, in all likelihood, because of just the timeline of this. What's the next court hearing? It's like in December, December 4th, do they say? November 4th, December, the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, December 8th, I think, maybe. Okay. And um, the, the, this will not be resolved one way or another before. Oh, okay. I think like it's a- certainly not before <laughs> the end of primary season, yeah. and I don't think before the general election. No, that actually now makes a lot of sense and also sounds like a total nightmare of like constant news coverage about Trump legal scandal and never like a policy debate between the Democrats or Republicans or like, Mm -hmm. uh, like, yeah, I just, I don't know. It's, it's just sad watching how the Democrats are just. Yeah. Look, I think they shouldn't underestimate that there is a cost to talking about Trump, and it's not what Rachel Maddow was talking about when she chose not to air a speech, lol. Yes. It's the fact that they're not talking about things that really matter to people. And yeah. you can say what you want about Bernie Sanders, but like the press found him boring, but the people didn't, and he always just redirected to stuff that the people cared about. And maybe he, like, maybe he shouldn't have said, I don't care about the damn emails. Maybe he should have cared a little bit about the emails. But on the whole, I think he's right that you have to figure out how to, you have to figure out at least how to create some balance between. Trump is bad, he should go to jail, fine. And also, Trump is bad because he wasn't standing up for you the way he promised to, I will, here's how. Yeah. Yeah, like, I don't know. It's, I'm sorry, yeah, I don't have too much of a take to give, but, uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> Takes are overrated, Tom. Never no, apologize I, for not being a take machine. <laughs> I don't know, it's just, it seems like the Democrats are just kind of like, status quo old Joe and like oh he's gonna be it's yeah and having Joe Biden be the candidate in 2024 is yeah I guess their only shot is to really smear Trump with legal like throw everything at him and try to make it stick but it just seems terrible I mean I think I don't think that's their only shot I think that they could Run on uh, expanding healthcare options. I mean, another. I mean, obviously, I, you know, I want them to do Medicare for all. I'm just trying to be realistic. Yeah. Um, you know, making healthcare more affordable, negotiating uh, prices, uh, prescription drug prescription drug prices. Yeah. Um, actually, like not just performatively saying you're for a living wage, but actually advancing like ab- above fifteen dollar minimum wage and going out on the stump saying how ridiculous it is. That we haven't had a minimum wage raise since, um, you know, Bush was in office. You know, like, just go out. I think that that's a very winning mes- message. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to protect abortion rights. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know how much room there's going to be to think about abortion or talk about abortion, which was a very winning issue for Democrats in the midterms, 
if we're all preoccupied as about Trump um, and whether or not he's going to jail. Yeah. And then at a certain point, I think the general public is just going to have their mind made up whether or not Trump broke the law and whether or not they want to take that is like determining their vote or not. Like, I think everyone's going to have their mind made up and it just seems like, yeah, Democrats are going to want to talk about it and think that it's going to convince people, but I don't think it's going to convince many people. Look, I do, I do, I don't think that we should lose sight of the fact that there are, are normal, just normie, normal people who are exhausted by Trump, who are embarrassed by the salacious nature of having an affair, much less an affair with, a, you know, an adult, you know, adult film star. Yeah. You know, it's, I think many people will admit to themselves that that's less than ideal. Just like many, you know, Democrats didn't love that Bill Clinton was running around in the Oval Office with a 20-something intern. Mm-hmm. It was embarrassing. Um, and that there is a segment of the population who will be happy to have alternatives and who you know, might stay home and might be disgusted with all of politics and all of that. Like, I don't, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to do this thing where like we pretend that like, I don't want to pretend that Trump is like super vulnerable and I don't want to pretend that Trump is invincible. Like there are, mm-hmm. you know, Trump won in 16 and then he lost in 2020. And it's like a, it's a very narrow slice of the population that makes things yeah. go one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do think in terms of just like, not you know, not that I'm working for Democrats here, but in terms of them maximizing their chances, the, the answer for everyone, the the path to victory for everyone is talking about shit people care about. Like it's not, <laughs> no one should be paid to give political advice because everything is obvious, and the only question is what's keeping you from doing it. Mm-hmm. Trump, Trump got it. Yeah, you know, Bernie came out of literally nowhere and won twenty odd states in in 2016. Yeah. No, and, like, Trump being, like, the only Republican to just be, like, we shouldn't be using the debt ceiling to cut medic, um, to cut Social Security mm-hmm. is, like, such a winning issue in a primary and general elect. Like, well, I don't think there's any Democrat that's running on we should be cutting uh, Social Security. Well, this time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. We can remember that, yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, to the Republican base, which is older than like the average Republican primary voters much older than the average U S citizen. Um, it's a pretty good, like <laughs> issue to say, no, that this is a terrible strategy. Um, I, I also wanted to say, I loved your radar about locking them up, like going after the war criminals because like Kissinger, one of the most, most genocidal people in history. And it's just yeah. like, like, Imagine if Trump did that. Imagine if Trump said they're trying to put me in jail, but what they should really be doing is putting uh, George W. Bush and a Barack Obama away for their war crimes. <laughs> I just don't know if Americans seem to care or be aware that, like, like I think with Kissinger, it's like the estimated death tolls are he's responsible for like two to four million people. Yeah, and like how that's owed to the people of like Cambodia and. Like, yeah, actually goes to see him on trial. But I mean, so Kissinger aside, because he's a hundred and nobody remembers him. 
the yeah. president thing. I think that Trump, I think that like low key, I might have to, no, I'm not gonna vote for Trump, but like I might, <laughs> I might have to get a Trump shirt <laughs> if he comes out and says, Hey, don't throw me in jail, put me in office and I'll throw them in jail for war crimes. I mean, that's, that's a top tier troll. <laughs> yeah, I'd, but I mean, I don't know. There's so like the neocons. It's just a the military wing of the U.S. politics is such a powerful lobby, and it's like the one group you don't want to piss off politically. Yeah, like, yeah, and but you know, Trump already. I mean, like he has and he hasn't. Um, he says things, but largely falls in line with an office, but resists certain things. I mean, you know, he has and he hasn't. So, like, I understand why people, you know, like him for that reason, for his showing more resistance than other presidents, certainly than um, Joe Biden has to the blob. And so, you know, we'll see what happens. Well, Tom, I appreciate you calling in. I hope you call in again, and this isn't your first time last time. No, yeah, I've, I've been listening to you since you, I think you started, and I've tried to call in a couple of times. And- well, thank you. I'm sorry I didn't get to you in your adorable kitty cat avatar sooner, but now I've locked it into my brain and um, I'm sure we'll be t- talking again soon. All right. Sounds awesome. Thank you, Bree. All right. Keep the faith. We'll do. All right, BK, what's on your mind tonight? Hey, Supreme Leader. Um, <laughs> so- <laughs> I just, you know, I'm, I'm unironically honored to talk to someone who's like, such an amazing strategic thinker. Um, but it's uh, very I, kind of you. I called in to bring up something kind of messy. Um, okay. It's been, it's been a month ago already, but um, you had this woman on uh, Christina Buttons and she left the Daily Wire because um, she thought that they were being too transphobic. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Uh huh. And at the very end of the video, she said um, something like, I feel like if I were a child today, I'd want to transition. But now I know that's just because I'm autistic. Yeah, I remember that. That was a that was an interesting interview. Yes, um, and like it didn't really like like that might have been the first time you've heard something like that. But it's like I've been actually I've been thinking about this for years. Like I've met a lot of people who are proud of being trans and are proud of being autistic. And like I got an autism diagnosis when I was 31. Um, mm. And I, I like sought I sought it out partly because it, it just like explained so much about like my childhood and my life and everything. Mm-hmm. And I think I was often like like I was always different. And especially by the time I was like a teenager, it was just like, oh well, she's different because she's a lesbian. You know, like mm-hmm. so I do kind of understand where she's coming from. Where it's like people just saw wanted to make everything about my gender when there was this other thing going on, right? Mm-hmm. But. Like, to me, when I hear her say what she said at the end of the video, like, I know this sounds like the kind of, um, like, wokeness that people on the left even are sick of, but it's ableism. Like, to believe that someone can't make their own choices because they're autistic, even as a teenager, um, it comes from this kind of, like, like, the the first time I I called you uh, to talk about, or called in here to talk about, like, trans stuff, You'd asked if I'd ever heard of a, a Barbara Fields and like racecraft, mm. and um, after that I went and found a YouTube video with her and uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates, and mm-hmm. um, she it, was not happy with him during that interview. <laughs> I, well, I 
I, I definitely need to rewatch it because I didn't read that in it. I heard you say that. She, oh, she was polite, but there was some shade. There was some shade. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I believe you. <laughs> it makes me want to rewatch it, but to see it. But like, she gives this uh, definition of um, racecraft as uh, the process by which race becomes racism. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been thinking a lot, like it was like eight months ago. I, I think about it all the time because I think about, yeah, what are the processes by which like sex becomes sexism? And um, like the, it, it feels like a concept that's really easy to like pick up and dribble like and use. It's a lot better than um, like gender as a performance, I think, because like the idea of performance feels like loaded and inauthentic. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, sorry. I know I'm like bringing up a lot of messy stuff, but like, like I, it's also like the, the example she gives is like there of a bunch of like black kids and white kids in a swimming pool and all the black kids are forced to leave. And even if you don't explain anything to the kids, like everyone in that pool is going to um, like form a conclusion about why that just happened. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the white kids might form that they're superior and the black kids will formulate a conclusion that, you know, whatever. And there's also, like, another kid maybe in the swimming pool that's not – that doesn't gather anything that's going on and is just, like, staring at the weird shapes. And um, it actually used to be, like, a uh, a symptom of autism, like, in the 50s and 60s to be completely lacking in racial animus. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> – but, like – and, like – like also because like RFK Jr. and the like, I feel like this is a topic that's gonna like come up again. And um, like the idea of like, auto like being different, being neurodiverse as something that's bad, is something that's like that comes from like capitalism and like 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 be, making it so that the only way to exist is through wage labor. Like the idea of disability as something like comes from wage labor and like not being able mm-hmm. to like <laughs> be involved mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the, the stuff with like RFK Jr. and like autism, um, like more and more people like, like myself are like diagnosed with autism now. And that's part of why like there's this, you know, like people say, Oh, how can there be so many more gay and non-binary and trans people? It must be a trend. Like, or it's just that we're just more aware of who we are, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, find a lot of power in like, having that identity and um you know finding other people have that and everything um but there is a a lawyer who's um trans and um openly autistic and since i thought like autism might come up again on rising um uh their name is lydia xz brown um and i think that they're really articulate about like 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 what is ableism and like where it comes from and um like in a way that i'm i'm not um but yeah, I just, I know autism seems like, oh, that's not super relevant, but. No, I just found Lydia on Twitter. Their tweets are protected, but I went ahead and followed them. So we'll see if I can get through. Um, so, okay. So one, it was an interesting interview. I think both Robbie and I didn't entirely know what to expect of the guest. Um, you know, she talked about her autism at the end of the interview and that was clarifying in some ways during the interview. It was unclear um, to, you know, whether her somewhat, you know, irregular affect was because she was nervous. You know, we just, you know, you know, is it, 
a bad connection? You know, is it a temperamental thing? Like, it just wasn't clear what was happening. And then there was something clarifying about her saying that at, at the end. I, so I, I do remember when you brought that up, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that interview now. Um, and also on top of that being, you know, you know, I'm on Rising and we always have these guests on who are obviously you don't politically align with, but you know, she, whatever, I won't get onto that. The point is that, um, I didn't take her as saying that you can't believe like that, that, that people with autism don't have agency or can't make decisions about their gender identity because of their autism. I took her as saying that in her particular case, you know, she might have looked to, um, you know, gender identity as a way to resolve her feelings of not fitting in or having, you know, kind of these other kinds of social issues when in reality it was her autism. And for her, that might be true. Like she's obviously an adult now and doesn't identify as trans and, you know, that could change a week, month from now, who knows. But like, you know, for her, it might be true that she's not trans and that there might have been something appealing to about it to her because she, you know, wasn't fitting in in these other ways. And, you know, she might have gone down that route and then had to backtrack in a way that, you know, she might have regretted. Who knows? Like, this is all very speculative and or it might not have been true. Maybe there was no likelihood that she actually would have ever identified as trans and she's just saying something to score a point on a show. I, I don't know. I don't know what's in her brain. But, like, I didn't necessarily take her as making a broader claim, I guess, to, I guess in her defense a little bit, a broader claim about people with autism not being able to make decisions about themselves, although I do take her point that people do say that. I have a friend on the spectrum who really bristles if you say anything like, if you ever explain their behavior by making reference to their being on the spectrum. And I would say that this friend presents to people who don't know him as a little terse, um, not always a, like the best listener, um, will kind of railroad a conversation and talk through and not like do turn taking. Um, and it come off a little as abrasive, I'll say. But to me, I don't like, you know, I don't, I'm not offended by it for a number of reasons. I am kind of abrasive myself. <laughs> um, and also because I, I know that they're on the spectrum. Like I know. And to me, that helps me to have more patience and makes it easier to get along with them. But in, from his perspective, offering that up to folks as like, oh, don't be offended because X. He, he like take, he feels that that is, um, like it's, I don't know. He feels that to be, a, to be a somehow unfair or like not an accurate description of his own behavior or what to, to what you want to attribute his behavior or something like that. And like, I respect that. And I, you know, I, I heard him say it. And so, you know, if people are getting pissed off at him because of his behavior, you know, I just let, I let the chips fall where they may be now. Um, and don't try to like offer up an explanation on his behalf because he's said he's not interested in that. I mean, it was like, it's like known. It's like, it's known. You know, everybody in our friend circle knows. Um, and you know, he doesn't have an issue at all talking about it and discloses it very readily and openly. But it's specifically, even with people who know, he doesn't want to attribute anything to it, like in a particular interaction. 
So, like, I, I mean, I understand that. Like, what can I say? Like, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's their choice. But it does seem like this guest in particular, at least, does feel like there's certain things and certain choices in her life that she attributes to her autism. And I can't, you know, I'm not going to weigh in on that either. I don't know. What do you make of all of that? No, yeah, that's fair. Like, maybe I was being a little, little overly sensitive. Um, I, I do want to quickly mention, partly because I, sometimes I do feel like this call-in space is the entire autism spectrum. Um, <laughs> like, yeah. Well. Since learning, um, I mean, I, you know, a lot of the stuff out there that people say about autism, I do, like I said, find to be ableist and stuff, but like I've, I've definitely worked on, I, I used to interrupt people a lot more and um, I try to take my turn in conversation better now, especially now that I've become, you know, aware that, the, that it's an issue. Um, when I first like took a little, uh, you know, might you be autistic little questionnaire, a lot of the stuff I thought didn't apply to me. And I looked at my ex-girlfriend at the time and I, I mean, girlfriend at the time, and I was like, uh, am I doing this? And she was, uh, yes. You know, <laughs> like, it's hard to see our own blind spots. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, uh, I, I, I was also raised by people who were jerks. So be, not being a jerk doesn't come <laughs> natural to me. So it, it's something I really have to work on, but I like, like the most like noted autist like a uh, uh, is a temple grand right? it's mm. just kind of like what like there is this like very um like radical like far left of temple grand in community that i hope can find its like can connect with like the leftists in this space part because they are like like temple grandin is always telling us that we should stop complaining about how unemployed we are and learn to code mm. learn to code she said that to my face <laughs> mm. so um like, I, I do feel like there's a lot of, like, potential in, like, connecting these ideas and, like, because there's so much, like, revolutionary potential with people who are, like, extremely smart and unemployable, which is, like, a lot of us here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, like, I, I also just really like RFK Jr. Um, and, uh, like, it does feel, like, it does seem really easy to see, like, oh, well, there's this rise in autism. It must be because there's something in our drugs, you know, and um, I I hope that we can find a way to, like, I don't know, not throw him away for one bad reading of like, everyone's bad at math, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's interesting. I'm very interested to hear you say that. And, you know, I, I really do want to keep an open mind here. I bought the book for a reason. It was so funny. I bought it last summer and I was at, um, I was at the pool and I pulled it out my bag and my friend was like, Oh Lord, no, you can't be reading that. You're <laughs> I might have made more progress with it if my friend hadn't shamed me into um, reading something that was going to be more palatable to this public space. Uh, but, like, I, I really do want to keep an open mind to it, and I really do want to be informed to the extent that I have, I, I, you know, I may end up having these criticisms. So, I, you know, if, if you're saying that as someone who disagrees with him on the um, autism origin question <laughs> or incidents of autism origin question, and has an investment in that, um, and you still like him and, and, and are interested in what he has to say. I think that really, I think that really means a lot. So, I will keep an open mind for sure. Yeah, I I, I was in a class in two thousand um, that um, was about like permaculture, and all of the material was sent to that class for free by his like permaculture organization. Hmm. So I always like oh like he actually cares about making the world better in actual ways not just talk like he actually goes out to the places and helps people farm and um so i don't know much, i don't know enough about him so i'll stop talking about what do you that, make but. of the fact that he's married to uh, larry david's ex-wife 
Um, the first older woman I ever had a crush on. Um, <laughs> I think it's just so, it's like such a funny thing that no one talks about. <laughs> well, I just found out about it earlier today from le- neoliberal tears. Oh, LOL. <laughs> Neoliberals like, thank you in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, neoliberal tears, this podcast is so good. Um, I'll just say that and hang up. Uh, okay, I don't doubt it. Shout out Neoliberal <laughs> Tears' podcast name for all those in the chat who haven't yet discovered it. Uh, Bestie, I hate to tell you this. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I love when he calls me Bestie. Okay, Bestie, I hate to tell you this. Thank you so much, BK, for calling it. Uh, keep the faith. Keep the faith. All right, let's go with Sele, 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 Sele. Um, did you accidentally eat yourself? Get back in the queue if that was an accident and I'll come back to you. Otherwise, I don't mean to make you feel under the mic. Oh, there you go. Okay. Can you unmute yourself and let us know what's on your mind tonight? Hi. It took a lot to appear and I pressed the wrong button. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no worries at all. We we got there. I'm so dumb with these things. Thank you for having me. <laughs> of course. What's what's on your mind tonight? Uh, oh, so a lot. But I'll okay. I, I'll try to be brief. First, can I can I tell you like ten lines over Lavajato uh, car wash? Mm-hmm. You call it okay. Here's the thing, and that maybe people are are not saying that the things that they are not getting are true. Like. Grant Greenwald is an amazing journalist. I follow him. So maybe it's the nuances that people are not getting. So uh, corruption, when Lula got into the presidency, corruption was, I'm going to be very brief, right? So there is a lot I'm not going to say. Uh, Corruption was rampant in Brazil. Mm -hmm. And I think that he had two choices, right? Like battle it or do the things that he did <laughs> that was amazing things from Brazil but amazing things right I'm not going to enumerate it but he did he changed the country and the reality of so many people that's mm-hmm. why they hate him many people hate him so much right because uh, when you change things for poor people like there is a backlash many times and it's awful but it is mm-hmm. and so he let that corruption go on right like inside his his um, party, that corruption was there. Odebrecht brought down many, many presidents all over the, the continent. So Lavajato started and it was a good investigation. And then what they did was something that has been rooted in Latin America since the 70s and the coups. That is this thing called, uh, in Argentina, called Asociación Ilicita. That is why they're judging our, our vice president as well. Asociación Ilicita is a it means it's being used against the left all the time. It means that you should have known, right? Like it means that it means this ridiculous thing where Lula was supposed to be getting into the presidency in order to make corruption, right? In order to steal, right? Like be the head of it. And that he wasn't, that it's impossible not to be aware of it. So you have to be a part of it. It's a very shady. Mm. Like all leftists are against it, the real ones are against it since it became a law. So it's very dangerous to use it, right, against Trump or anyone because it can backfire. Mm. Uh, When they couldn't 
go through that and they needed to rush the thing in order to Bolsonaro to come in. They they went very, very shady. I think they all read it. And Moro, who, who was the judge, mm-hmm. and also became the Ministry of uh, Justice for Bolsonaro. So they went into lawfare. Lawfare is using the law in order to gain political power, right? Instead mm-hmm. of going to elections, you crush mm-hmm. your, your opponent with that. That's also a very dangerous thing because it can also backfire. Afterwards, when uh, when Dilma, yeah, let's say when Dilma won the presidency, and uh, Lula left there with an eighty percent approval, and she was his successor, she really uh, allowed that to happen and even incentivized it. And most people, even Lula, says he advised her against it because when those corruption charges and you were talking about corruption in the DA and the Democratic Party. When corruption chain, uh, charges appear, it has the tendency to sweep out many people that you wouldn't even imagine, not just the one that you're investigating, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's mm-hmm. so many, and it's also the establishment, it's not just political, because if you're bribing or getting bribes, it's by someone that is usually a company or a multinational or someone like Odebrecht, which was the, the main case of Lavajato. And that's the main reason why they took down Dilma, because she was allowing all this, not just because they wanted to implement this, these other measures by Temer, that was uh, his vice president, that, that was someone that would have never gotten into the presidency because he was charged and was guilty of many things, but mm-hmm. he, they ousted her for that, right? Like all the powers in Brazil were very, very are still very corrupt. So sometimes uh, I'm not saying Lula is bad or anything like that. Uh, Lula was absolutely innocent for the charges that they were like trying to take him down. They they pull even his his pockets right, and they couldn't find anything. But sometimes these politicians they come to very corrupt countries and they have to do things in the middle of very dire situations, right? Mm-hmm. So and that's. And that doesn't like, yeah. My point is, is yeah. there's a lot of nuances, and it can really backfire. And if there is not something that is very big against Trump, that that is, as you mentioned, and many of your callers mentioned, there is so much there <laughs> to bring him down. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate you saying that because I, I, I really was trying to look because I didn't want to, I didn't want to accuse. Look, I, I'm a big Lula fan, so like to the extent that I'm saying this, it's not because I want to accuse Lula of anything, and certainly not of anything that he didn't do. And I know that officially he was cleared of all of the charges after he got out of jail, and like on paper, like you know, there's he did absolutely nothing wrong. But my understanding was, it, to your point, it was very corrupt. There was corruption all over the place, and that like you're like swimming in the swamp, you are proximate to stuff, and they can stick you with stuff. And like to your point, like the idea that you should have known because you're the principal, you know, because you're the president, you know, like that, that's that's basically what they got him on. And so that's not, that's not to say that he is like bad or that he knowingly did anything or, or was worse than anybody else or anything like that. But that that's the nature of the beast. And that's why I'm so wary of this. You could describe it as lawfare. 
precisely for that reason. There's a lot of there's a lot of corruption. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of stuff happening in people's offices that they may or may not be aware of. There are there. Are, I'm sure there's times when people feel like they just gotta like get their hands a little dirty to get something done. And I may or may not agree with that. You know, Robbie's always bringing up, oh, Lincoln broke the law suspending habeas corpus, and we all kind of liked how that turned out. But like you know, like all kinds of things happen. Yeah, but to be fair to Lula, like the things that he he would have done, the he the things that he accomplished for people, he would have been cooked. Like they the the military establishment, the ones that did the coup, they're still in power in mm-hmm. Brazil. It didn't went along like Argentina that we had those trials, right? Like mm-hmm. we were able to like these people are like not even touched by it. So uh, to be fair, like, I think he was between that choice, right? Like, Dilma was ousted on the stupidest of charges, like, the most ridiculous. What they, like, it wasn't even criminals. They charged her for doing something that every president do, is to take something in the budget outside of one thing and put it into another. Mm. That's the charges for what they impeach a president and set the whole country into this craziness that ended up with Bolsonaro. So... Yeah, I, I, there's a lot of nuances, but I, again, I want to point out that in in countries that are fighting so hard to keep their democracies and stuff like that, I don't think he had another choice, even though, right? Like, uh, he, to, he achieved all the things that he achieved because otherwise, if he would have got, he would have gotten to the second term, I'm sure. So it's, I'm not saying good or bad, right? Like, there's a lot of nuances, and I'm a big Lula fan. And, and I, I'm glad that he's back. And also this time he's much more, right? Like his hands are more tied because every move he makes, he, he has someone on the far right. Because what happened with Bolsonaro was the, the, like the, this thing that was fringe uh, got into the government of Brazil and become very institutionalized. And it's a very dangerous thing. And, the other point I wanted to make was on what you were talking about, trans issues. And I saw that interview, I remember, because there's this thing, right? I'm in Argentina and we, we the, the, still the trans community and uh, that they have achieved a lot of rights right now. They have a lot of rights and like country-wise and the feminists, they're still together. And and also the feminists are like they got a lot and they they one of the things that we had luckily was these famous people that were trans before, before becoming famous and are so reliable and these people that you know like my father who's eighty and never even thought about transgender issues or anything Mm. like hearing these people that are so cool and so nice and make him laugh talk about it right like they hear and they open their minds say yeah of course we cannot discriminate right like in this case Mm -hmm. (laughs) her name right like uh, instead of having maybe someone like like Jenner I don't remember her Caitlyn Jenner Mm -hmm. Caitlyn Kristen I was going to say Mm -hmm. Caitlyn that maybe was already a, a, a star and it's so difficult to rely to someone like mm-hmm. that, right? It's not a common person and it doesn't have the common problems. Mm-hmm. And they don't talk about it because these other people, right? Like Gothio, they they are aware and they went through 
without their fame through the same problems that they are talking about. And yeah, there is a movie that is called Chonena Jo Princesa, and it's also, there's also a documentary. And that is, uh, I think it has, it's not a very good movie, right? But it's the story of a girl who got the first um, the ID, right? Like a transfer to a, a, a different gender name, right? Like mm-hmm. she was born up. And the idea, the idea there, right? Like here, and it's what most people are are trying to pull up is to, first of all, to, to mainly try for girls, boys, like accept whatever body they were born into, mm-hmm. not being cased in the gender part, right? Like you can be a girl with a penis and you can look like a girl, you can wear a dress and you can, but like the main idea is try to accept yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, not everybody is going to, and there is uh, public health uh, covering surgeries and treatments, so there is not an industry after it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the thing that that yeah that they that the main conversation there uh, because we take identity the world very seriously uh, is about this not being put like if you don't you are born with a penis or we are born with a vagina then it's very clear that the thing that says that you have to wear a, a dress and you have to stay at home and you have to be the, the prime uh, carer or if you're a guy. These are society like society issues, right? Like society norms. Mm-hmm. This is not something you were born with. So if you don't feel comfortable with your body or what this probably is not with the body but with the gender, given a sign, so... Yeah, uh, that's a lot yeah. of psychology after it. Uh, I don't know if I'm clear, right? Like, oh, no, I think I understand you. So I, I, I don't. Um, my understanding of dysphoria, and I'm no expert, and don't intend to come off as one. So feel free to correct me in the comments, etc. Um, but that it. It's a it's it's having a level of dissonance about your your physicality not matching your identity that really wants people to undergo you know hormone treatments and surgeries and the like to come, make those things come into alignment because that dissonance creates you know a, a real mental health crisis that makes them very unhappy and de- depressed beyond the kind of social pressures you're describing. However, you know. I, Look, I, I do think it's interesting. I mean, not to, this is, look. No, but uh, there's don't a, get me wrong. It, I'm not saying it doesn't exist. No, 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 for, for sure. I, but there, there, is a, there is something separate and apart from that, right, which is a, and I'm, I'm not saying this, isn't, this is separate and apart from dysphoria and this is separate and apart from people who may, might ever identify as trans, but there definitely are social pressures that are about conforming to one's, um, kind of like gender expectations that what people reject to various degrees without being trans. Right. And this is where, and I don't mean this derog, this is where some turfs, you know, some, some people who are turfs or self-described as turfs or get called turfs or whatever. There's this zone of folks. This is a zone of argument that is like, you know, we're lesbians. And it used to be that when you're a lesbian, 
you could choose how you expressed yourself. You could dress how you want. You can be more masculine, etc. But it didn't mean you literally wanted to be a man, and it didn't mean you wanted to change your body, you know, surgically or through hormones or what have you. And that the, you know, growing acceptance of trans as an identity means that people who might otherwise not actually have felt the need to transition are feeling like that's what you should do just because you don't feel feminine. Um, and you are eating into a population. This is their argument. I'm just yeah, no, trying no, to articulate. No, 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 but it's a point that I can answer that. I'm, so, I'm sorry? I can answer that to that if you want. I well, I'm not asking a question. And I, all I'm saying is that I think that apart from the fact that those people, I think, are antagonistic to people's right to transition and do those kinds of things, I think there is probably a sliver of the population that is caught between, like who is unsure whether, I mean, they're in a place where, is it is it that they are dysmorphic or is it that they are just masculine presenting woman or feminine presenting man and in a different world where, you know, they might be more hap- happier not doing some of, you know, act- not actually transitioning. And, you know, obviously there are going to be people who, you know, ch- change their mind or make mistakes or however you want to characterize it. And too often those people are exploited as, making the case against people who very much know what they want to do, having the right to do what they want to do. And so there's like almost a resistance to talking about that and whether or not some people are being pressured into, or there is this like a social phenomenon where there is not enough space being saved for the idea of being gender nonconforming without being trans. I mean, that's, I think that's kind of an interesting question, but it's one that is, it's a, it's a conversation that I think is legitimately difficult to have because people are legitimately concerned that having that conversation legitimizes efforts to make it more difficult for people who do know what they want and do have dysmorphia pursuing transitions. Okay. okay. Yeah, go ahead. What, can I tell you what the, the activists say, right? Like, because it's not my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's the thing, right? Like, uh, the, the latest uh, accomplishing law is this third option in the document, right? The, the options in, I'm sorry, in what law? In the, in the ID, in your ID, right? Uh-huh. You can be female, you can be male, or you can be an ex, right? Like, um, because here's the thing. What you are pointing out here, there's some things that I think are overrated. Like, the main thing here is that if we understand that these male and female functions and the way we look are constructed by society, are not really a thing, if you don't perceive yourself as a girl, you don't have necessary to be a boy, right? It's mm-hmm. not necessary. But at the at, at, on the other hand, that doesn't mean that all these women that were lesbian and feel boys never, like they never felt the urge to transition. That means they never felt the urge to transition, right? And in numbers, in the four years after the law appeared, like there has been hundreds of thousands of, of consults to the doctor. And there has been so few, I think it's 200 operations, right? Because, like, for the state to do that, you take, like, a, a, a year or more of, of psychotherapy, like, a lot of consultation, like, the, uh, you know, a lot of less invasive treatments, like, like um, changing your voice and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But the point that this woman, who is the biggest activist right here, is the mother of the girl, right? This girl would hurt herself, right? 
because she her name had the name of like what she wrote the book about was it says Shonena Cho Princesa means me girl me princess because that's those were the first the words where she was able to talk like in kindergarten like they separated the girl were princess and the boys were monkeys or stuff like that and she was constantly forced to be a monkey and you know like and and she would hurt herself this girl until she could put it into words and so it's a big thing it's not that it doesn't exist the point is until this girl it, like uh, here it is a consensus that under uh, the age of like uh, to this medication to to push your develop right like uh, not to how do you call them right this uh, is very famous this that make you late no, 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 in, I, in having your period they are yeah I, I completely get what you're saying silly and i really don't mean to cut you off i'm so sorry but i really do have to go before um, midnight and i'm sorry I, this is a much bigger conversation and i, and I want to make room for it but we're not going to be able to resolve it. And I'm sorry, I do have to very quickly, I only have 10 minutes to close my rings. I'm so sorry to do this, but I really no, wanted to close cl- 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 okay. at 1130. No so problem. I, look, I appreciate you all. That's a much longer conversation. And we have a trans guest upcoming that will lead to a trans episode and even call in. And I'm sure we can get into these issues. Thank you all again um, for tonight. You guys have been a great group. And uh, I will see you um, next week. Take care. a pilot in a podcast wish i had a strong donkey that can haul ass and travel with portable speakers playing bars scats wish i had a million dollars i wish i had a million albums i wish i had a million problems that way i couldn't pinpoint all one million outcomes i wish i found a genie lamp i wish them girls gave me them sugar like beanie man yeah. i wish i was a comedian late night sitcom syndicated on tv land this well had water in it These kids are stealing all my pennies Focused on my wealth You can help me wish But I would rather wish for help It's like, it's like I wish, I wish That every time we dive in It feels just like this I wish, I wish That every time we do it It feels just like this I wish, I wish That every time we love in It feels just like this It feels just like this It feels just like this. 